everybody welcome to i like to movie movie my name is dan scully my name is garrett smith and you have made it to the end of 2019 countdown list <laughs> you've just uh, made it to the end of 2019 i'd like to congratulate you on that yes, as its yes. own accomplishment yes and so we will be counting down our top 10 today i think we're going to invoke a stopwatch that we don't uh, kill noah if he opts to do the <laughs> i like to movie movie challenge this year correct correct i believe the halfway through the year project remains incomplete at I, this time i believe so yes it might have been abandoned noah of the plus two comedy podcast attempted to watch every movie we referenced on the mid-year episode and i don't think ever finished it yeah it's i don't blame him i think he might have watched seriously like 45 movies before he stopped too and like 30 bad movies <laughs> yeah yeah because like he was doing everyone we mentioned yeah, not everyone on the a list lot of movies we don't just in passing like. yeah yes. but like that's kind of like elmo and grouchland <laughs> yeah, and i yeah, thought yeah. of that earlier so that now noah will have to now start to. his thing with yeah. elmo and grouchland oh perfect, perfect so we're gonna do that yes and newsies yes i've got this ridiculous setup here with my microphone tonight that may fall apart mid-podcast, so we'll see. It's pretty cool. It's like a mix of functional and not fashionable. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. It's mostly to see that I can get myself maybe comfortable this episode, but yeah. that might not be in the cards for movie movie these days. We don't we'll do see. comfort. Yes, here we Oh, see? This looks great, doesn't nice. it? Nice. Oh, feels yes. good. You look ah, like yes, a podcaster. Yes, yes. I'm podcasting. Uh, let's talk really quick about our friend uh, Chris Cotton. Yes, it uh, is with a, a heavy heart that the yeah. Philadelphia comedy scene and, and the world beyond experienced a pretty uh, a big loss. Yeah, uh, uh, a comedian that that we both came up with, Chris Cotton. Yeah, uh, passed away. He did, and so uh, I don't know what to say. Yeah. this podcast came from the Philadelphia comedy scene. It sure did, and Dan. the Philadelphia comedy scene is like on Cotton's shoulders. The 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 comedy scene as it is today started, as I understand it, about a decade ago with Chris Cotton at the Raven Lounge, uh, Center City Comedy. Yeah, so it was him and Foley right, and yes, yes. Uh, I don't Conrad and Cassidy. To him, but. but yeah, Cotton and and it, one of the things in his past watching the reaction to it that has been so moving yeah. is I knew everybody loved him but yeah. I didn't know how far that went I know and it's just a testament to how great of a loss it is and how wonderful of a guy he was and how lucky we all are to have had him at all in our lives uh, to see this response he was like one of the most genuine guys in the scene and was like always exceedingly kind to me when mm. he didn't need to be all that kind of stuff and it's like and enthusiastically kind so so kind and like in a way where it was like he was very supportive of me and to me in a way where he made me feel like oh this guy that is sort of a senior in this scene has like taken an interest in me and that mm -hmm. makes me feel good and validated and then you come to find, you know, in his passing now, as everybody's telling stories, he just made everybody feel that way. He made everybody, everybody feel like they were special and a part of the scene. I hate running into people on the street because I hate slowing my roll and turning off my podcast. Yeah. I frequently would run into him yeah. and it was always a party yep. because, because he was so actually for real happy to he see was jazzed. you that yeah. it was just amazing. So. Yeah. Uh, we miss him and uh, we love him and and there is a fundraiser going on. Yes. It's a GoFundMe, I believe. Go we'll link me. to it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris Cotton was on the precipice of becoming a father. Yes. And so he leaves behind him a wife who is going to become a mother in February. Yep. And so she's going to need a lot of help yes. and a lot of support. So as a gesture and as a you know just a way to actually help out, uh, we ask that you share and donate the link as yeah, to, to yeah. the link. Just even just to share if you can't afford it, uh, get it out there and yeah. help her out and you know 
just pay honor to like the best dude. And uh, if you're not familiar with him, um, look him up. He's had he's done some comedy on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Um, he's written a book that is available. Um, it's called something like Stuff My Father Taught Me. I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly the title. Um, he was a fascinating dude. His yeah, life was wild. Very very interesting guy. Um, and you can hear he was on an episode of our podcast a while ago. We did an episode on um, uh, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. We t- we talking French fries. We talking French fries. Yeah. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Super fun episode. Uh, he was just a great guy. He did our live show once. Like he was very good to us. Um, so um, you know we'll we'll miss him and uh, uh, rest easy, Chris. Yeah. We dedicate you know? this episode yeah. to you. Yep. Um, so let's let's get started. Let's do the best of the best of 2019. Best of 2019. And with us to do that, yes. we have friend of the show, part of the family, Ryan Silverstein. Hey. Uh-huh. I'm very excited to do this episode with you guys. I look forward to it all year. I really do. Yes. It occurs to me that this might be the first time I let you introduce him because we didn't have to go through the whole Steen, Stein, Stein, Steen, (laughs) Steen. I made a note and I I stuck it and so it's there. And it was one of those notes where I made it and then found out I made the wrong note like two or three times. I think and I, then that enforced the right note later. Yeah, I think I did the wrong one a few times and now don't still don't know. Like I don't think I'm ever gonna know. Because right. I think I've done it wrong enough times that I'll I'll never know which one's correct. I, I don't take it personally. It's <laughs> I mean Stein is the right one. So yes, you think Frankenstein. Okay. Stein, Stein. Oh, Frankenstein. This helps. Yeah. Okay, got it. So think of me smoking a cigar with bolts in my neck. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will. Sure we are. That's, oh, that's, that's how hilarious. I picture you all the time anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, uh, uh, Cinema 76. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Silverstein. Yeah, Cinema 76. Uh, you can find all of our writing there. Yeah. Uh, you can also find my other podcast, Shame Files Podcast. Yeah. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can listen to that podcast. That's correct. Uh, we're behind on episodes because 2019... Uh, it's as, a real I, fucker, Ryan. Yeah, I, I said on Twitter the other day, like, 2019 can dive into a bag of rusty nails, and I stand <laughs> uh-huh. by that. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's I hope a it doesn't year. have a tetanus I'd shot. like to saw to uh, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because fuck this year. Yes. If 2019 um, can but, fall in that needle pit from exactly, Saw 2, a, oh, you, man, you where it's in her knees and yeah. stuff. Oh, horrible. <laughs> horrible. Or the hand things where they put their hands up to grab the key, and then the glass cuts into their wrists. The needle that thing might be the so worst good. thing I've ever seen in a movie. And I've seen Bone Tomahawk yeah. and Terrifier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Needles in the knees, yeah. man. That yeah. is like both <laughs> my punk band and a very <laughs> real fear now. Oh, boy. So, yeah, this year fucking sucked, but we had movies. We did have we movies. Have and movies good were good. Yeah, I think this has been an exceptional year for movies. Uh, there's been so many things. that uh, Maybe I just have become an addict. and I just love feeding the <laughs> feeding the addiction and Feed just, oh, all movies are good. Um, whatever. My cross to bear. But I think this has actually been like a fucking excellent <laughs> year for movies. I've seen so many things that floored me. You know what's interesting? As I was making the list, it's I think it's been a good year for movies. But I only knew my top three locked. I know those movies. Everything else for literally the next 30 could just shuffle anywhere. Yes, yeah. It I was like a lot of very good movies this year. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. There's There are a few like movies that would be like, oh, that's an obvious masterpiece, future yeah. classic. Like, yeah. It's not quite up to the 2017 level where we got like mm-hmm. Phantom Thread right, right. and Blade Runner yeah, 2049. Yeah, yeah. Like <sighs> in this end, The Last Jedi in like the same yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 days. Yeah. Um, I'm still high on that, but like, yeah, that was a really good year. <laughs> so it's not, it's not quite to that level, but I think it has a lot of movies that I liked a lot and a lot of movies that I thought were very interesting, even if I didn't love them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, there were very few movies. Like I, I saw, I'll, I saw, I think 63 this year, something to that effect. Mm. There were very few of those 63 that I was just like, yeah, I don't need to consider that at yeah, all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's also, we have access to more now as we all True. get into the yeah. scene and, uh, have like 
we're, we're better, I think, at predicting what we will like. Oh, yes. You yeah. know, so but it's I, like, I, I just won't go think, see what I want At least speaking for myself, I think I've also gotten better at taking chances on things I'm not sure yes. I will like. Like, I can I can definitely better rule out things that I know. Like, I'm not going to like that. That movie is not for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I've done a better job of seeking out movies that don't feel like a movie that I'm going to like. And mm-hmm. then a lot of those I end up loving. So that's sort of, and I know we'll talk about it later. So just say it quick. That's when I went into Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I was like, yeah, artsy stuff. I'm sure it's pretty. And then it like punched me in the dick. It was just <laughs> incredible. It's <laughs> exactly Man. what I'm looking for in my 2019 movies. Honestly, that's probably the best descriptor for yeah. how that movie made me feel. But the years using my dick as a, a speed bag. So <laughs> the, the movies might as well fucking like hit me once or twice. You yeah, know? exactly. Just give me the full KO. That's, that's what I'm hoping Star Wars will do. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait. Okay, so that's a caveat. I mean, I I typically don't include Star Wars yeah, yeah. in mine. Um, I mean, we haven't even but seen we haven't it seen yet, it so. yet. Yeah, and um, I kind of just left out like big franchise well, things because y'all know I love them. And the big, even bigger caveat: we also have not seen Cats yet. True, true. Yes, yes. that's so, true. Worth noting. Worth noting. Cats could go. The thing is with cats is like it has to be one of two things and it's gonna be three. It's either gotta be it's gotta be like holy shit, this is actually good. They tapped into something interesting here, or this is a complete mind fuck, insane, fucktarded piece of, of insanity. But it's gonna be a bland, mediocre movie with digital cats singing. And that's what sucks. That's the one thing yeah. it can't be. I know. And it's it feels easy to do one of the well it's, to do one of the other but two. It, it, it's also weird that they were like, okay, we want to showcase the singing and movement and dancing of the stage show, but also make them look more like actual cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When like they could have just made it an animated film, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and that would have been both cheaper and probably less horrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, that would have been probably cool as an animated film, right? Mm. Uh, but nope. But no, they just like, had to give cats titties. I was yeah, saying, they should have, have like have nine nipples that too. Gift <laughs> of cat tits shaking around. Yeah, yeah. That's I was very literally weird. talking about this with my wife in the car the other day. I was like, I can't stop thinking about this. <laughs> She's like, you have problems. Yeah. I also think, and this is going to sound weird, but go with me. Uh, mind you, I'm hungover and just chasing it with beer, uh, so this could be a crazy thought. But the fact that the Idris Elba cat doesn't just have a flopping honking dong. That feels weird to me. Uh, look, I'll do you one better, which is I the kind of the whole reason I want to see cats is I don't know why, but I legitimately think the Idris Elba cat is like one of the hottest characters I've seen in a movie. That's this true. Year. I think there's, we talked about this on our loose episode. How he's really yeah. weirdly sexy about him as a cat. But that's why it's weird that he would have no genitals. Yes, exactly. Yes, so I agree with this. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not alone. I'm on board with not that. alone. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but yeah no i i mean <laughs> we, everyone just turned the show yeah, off i know so we can say anything now <laughs> guys we're free exactly that's great because my list is just atrocious oh right on uh but i did want to echo dan's uh other caveat about franchise movies yes i love avengers endgame i think we i think i was on an episode of the show talking about it seems like yes. it um and i mean if not, people know I love superhero yes. movies. I think you did a great very, piece very on them over on Cinema Seventy Six oh. this year. Man, you put Thank in the you. work on the fucking yeah. countdown of the I decade. That was aggressive, and it was awesome. <laughs> I loved reading it. Yeah, but I, um, man, I ranked every single superhero movie, but from X Men to Joker. <laughs> yes. Um, and I, for it, I had to watch all of the ones I had skipped because I knew they were garbage piles. Mm-hmm. So I had to watch Catwoman, uh-huh. Jonah Hex. I had to watch Jonah Hex, which actually I kind of like Jonah Hex. Isn't it's, that written by Neville Dean Taylor? Yes. Feels like they were involved. I that think they were involved right. somehow, yeah. Yeah. Um uh but yeah, so I watched a lot. I watched uh what was the, there was the one with Tim Allen Zoom. Oh yeah. Tim Allen, which is a less good version of Sky High where right. Tim Allen just makes fun of a bunch of kids <laughs> for like an hour and a half. 
Um, it's not good. But yeah. I ranked. There's a. I ranked 104. Does he do so any every, of the noises? Yeah, does he, he like <laughs> not like as <laughs> as much as he should probably is there at least one oh no <laughs> yes. is there one, oh yes, yes. okay you need that uh but yeah every theatrically uh released superhero movie of the last century uh I that's ranked. insane Jesus. Yeah. there's 104 if there's so. nobody else on the planet though who i'd want to have done that for me to read yeah, yeah. than you, and so like kudos, that was awesome. Thank you. I I had I actually did have a lot of fun doing it. Although there was a week where I was like, my brain is just going yeah. to melt. <laughs> it was Were you like it was, looking around, everything just looks like crayons. Well, <laughs> it was like the week that we got the because I had this idea in like February, and so I was like kind of pecking away at it, like making the list up, like trying to figure out what movies I had to watch. And then we like got the invite for the Joker press screening, and I was like, "Fuck, I have to watch like twelve movies." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but I did it. I got there. I'm proud of it. Yeah. Um, you were saying your caveat, though. Oh, my caveat is that I don't have Avengers Endgame on this yeah. list. I don't actually don't have any. I don't think I have. No, I don't have any franchise movies on this list unless we get some really improbable sequels um, <laughs> <laughs> in the future. So, but if I had seen Star Wars, there's a chance that could take yeah. a slot mm-hmm. on there, but. Uh, as a rule, there were other movies that I wanted to talk about. So. I think that's like, yeah, I just wanted, these are things I wanted to talk about. I loved a lot this year. These are things that I either am like rooting for or have stuck with me. I did my list mostly out of memory and then checked it back on Letterboxd and stuff just with the thought of if I can conjure it as yeah. that was something that was good, then it should remain. And then I had Jenna look at it and I was like, because I had it down to like 20, I was like, can you just check off the ones that I talked about most? Uh, okay. <laughs> and she went through it, and like that's pretty much my ten. Okay, cool. oh, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, it, this is also a long year because like fucking Captain Marvel came out this year. That was it. My brain. What the f- <laughs> wow? I, when I, I was, no way. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, my yeah, brain way. is crazy with that stuff. Like I, it, to me, it feels like there are some movies that I'm like. That definitely came out four years ago. And it's like, no, that was yeah, you saw it Tuesday. three months ago. <laughs> and there's other movies where I'm like, well, that came out yesterday. And it's like, no, that was five years ago. You know what I mean? It's yep. like, I can't. Like, I thought do that, that came anymore. out 10 years ago. Oh, wait, I haven't even seen it yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I, happening. I saw a, a tweet that was like, isn't it funny how 1980 and. Uh, 1980 and 2000 are both like 20 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, I, I forget who tweeted that. Yeah. That's so spot on. Yeah. That's like, oh, Because it's how my brain yeah. thinks about things. That's my only caveat is that I just, I, my, I, I decided I don't even want to try and be interesting. There are some <laughs> franchise things on my list. I just, I really what went like? for like, really what was my favorite stuff that I like watched a bunch of times or thought about a lot throughout the year and specifically like what did I actually want to talk about tonight like what things would be fun to talk about with you guys so yeah yeah, that's that's my list so I had an idea I have a stopwatch ready yes okay all right do we want to do for each individual slot two minutes or three minutes Ooh. because even at three minutes that still puts 10 minutes at each slot collectively because there's going to be some run over yeah but if we all agree to obey the timer and uh you know, just well, we can make it a bit. Is, is this going to be like a three minute monologue or is this like you state your piece and then other pe- like we collectively have three minutes to talk about like my number 10 movie? How about we do because I'll I'll have a, this this <laughs> or maybe we just don't do anything and we just no, try no, no. and keep it. Tight. I really like the clock. I think we do three minutes because that gives us as much time as possible. And then with and, the understanding we'll, of talk for two minutes and then yeah, discuss exactly. for one minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yes. Okay, let's do that. So. How do we want? Who wants to go first? How do um, we start? Oh man! You know what? Fuck it! I I will I will just kick it off. Do so it. I'll uh, go after Dan, and then that sounds great. All right. 
at the Philadelphia Film Festival this year, I saw this really cool movie called The Vast of Night. And you oh, guys knew I was going to talk about it. Um, the Vast of Night is this really cool, uh, very extremely low budge uh, alien invasion movie, I guess, that yeah. captures the fun of of the aliens attacking, like the excitement of that and the wonder of that, but also kind of the fear of it. Mm -hmm. And it's this uh, very cleverly shot movie with a lot of like big bravado uh, camera moves and stuff, but it's all in service of what is just a bunch of people talking. Yeah. And so you get the feeling of this town, which is empty because they're all at the basketball game. Right. So right. there's just a couple rogue elements talking through radio transmissions, uh, through phone calls and things like that. And we are just hearing their story adjacent to UFOs being seen and things coming down. Yeah. And what I thought was most impressive about it is there's a scene that cuts to black for a very long amount of time. Yeah. And it's just audio. And in that moment, it like tapped into my podcast lizard brain. Oh, yeah. And I started engaging with it the way that I listen to sci-fi podcasts and, you know, weird like... Uh, uh, like true crime and shit like that. It yeah. started to tap into that, and then you know it comes back, and I guess that's really everything. Just these fantastic performances. I f you know I forget the leads' names. I should just look up everything. But that's a uh, like a movie movie. It's a movie. You movie. know, oh, that, definitely. that is like a super small movie that feels huge. Yeah, it's defined by its limitations. And yeah. I think as part of that, they do so much with the production design to sell the period setting. Like the costumes are amazing. Like there's a long a long scene, uh, like a long take uh, where. One of the girl is operating like a phone switchboard, mm -hmm. with, and that's like looks like vintage equipment. Oh yeah, like, and it's, it's all processed. Right. I bet it checks out. Right, and like you know they got enough cars to do it right. Like they did. It, it helps for uh, just like it sells the setting to the point where you're not thinking of like oh like look how they faked it being the 50s because there's no cell phones. It's right. Like, oh, it really does feel like a certain place and time, uh, in, in a way that is just really impressive for the amount of budget they had. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, that one, uh, just you know, that I accidentally set that for two minutes, so we still have another <laughs> okay. minute on that Very if we good. want. Very good. Um, yeah, I know. I just I really enjoyed it. It was just a neat movie, and I'm excited for what the filmmakers will do in the future. Yeah, and the other thing I, I wanted to say about it is I really I think that's a movie. It, it is a movie, movie, but, and it's but it's not sold on the effects or anything. It's right. really a performance showcase. Yes, mm -hmm. it could every, be a play. Yeah, and every single actor in there. It does amazing work. They're very good. There's a couple of really long monologues yeah. uh, that are just like it holds your attention uh, in a way where like I just I just found those characters enrapturing, and I wanted to know everything about this town and the history and the things that are going on. Mm. So I was definitely most impressed by its ability to sell 1950s America on clearly like very little money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that was incredible. I it thought. invoked a lot of things about 50s life that I would not consider. Yeah. Uh, in telling its story. And so the director's Andrew Patterson mm. and the lead actress is Sierra McCormick. She really ran away with that movie. She was great. What's the actor's name? Um, uh, Jake Horowitz. Yeah, he was really good too, I thought. And shout out to Gail Cronauer as the, she does the monologue. Oh, yeah. The older yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, Vast of Night. I think that's three minutes, right? Yeah, you nailed it. We feel yeah. okay about the timer? Sure. I th yeah, I think yeah. that feels pretty good. All right, I got Even it for two three minutes. minutes I was again. like, oh, I feel like we did talk about this one. Yeah. So I think three is, it's great. Yeah. Cool, cool, perfect. cool. All right, who's what next? What you got, right? All right, so for the first time ever, I have a documentary in my top 10. I know what it is, too. Um, and then, so, like, for my 10 slot, I could have picked 15 movies. Yep. Like, my top nine, I had pretty locked, uh, like, er, at the end of last week. And then I was like, I can't decide what to put in 10. And I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about honorable mentions when we yes. get through yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I guess? Thing. 
You can guess. Are you talking about Apollo 11? I'm not talking oh, about Apollo Oh, really? 11. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Even though I did love Apollo 11. Yeah, yeah, very, that very was much. seriously considered. Um, it is in my honorable mentions. Mm. Uh, but no, it's Varda by Agnes. Oh, oh I haven't um, seen that. So this is uh, Agnes Varda's final film. She passed away earlier this year. Um, and she, this is like a follow-up to her previous documentary, Faces Places, which I also recommend people check out. Uh, but this one is a retrospective of by her on her own career. Yeah. And so she's revisiting locations that she used. They're using oh. clips from her other films that she's put together. And it's framed by her giving a talk to like an audience, but in like three different locations. And they sort of like sure. very obviously stitch together like different pieces of them. And you just get to spend, you know, an hour and a half or two hours, whatever it is, like in her presence, hearing her talk about on her her work and reflect and you know, I've seen a handful of her movies, but she also worked, especially later on in her life, as like more of a like visual artist, like doing like art installations that would incorporate like, like she did a thing that was like a beach scene that had like uh, sand and like water, and then like a, a movie of the ocean. So you mm. would like get an experience that you were at the beach, and then you would like listen to these people's stories as you're in this room and stuff. So like she did a lot of different things over the course of her career. And to have her look back at them and like reconnect with some of the people that she's worked with and just talk about how she thinks about stories and movies and art and all that kind of stuff was just, it's illuminating. And I think it reflects my growing interest in watching older movies and going yeah. back to things that are, that I just, you know, didn't grow up watching. I haven't seen a lot of her movies and I avoided that because of that. Mm -hmm. Could I use that even as an entrance point? I, I think this would actually make an excellent entrance point. I nice. think if you, like maybe watch one of her movies first. Like if you watch uh, Cleo from five to seven, that movie is super accessible. Uh, it's it's it takes place most almost in real time mm -hmm. about a woman from the between the hours of five p.m. and seven p.m. and she's uh, waiting to hear back from the doctor about a test. Mm. Um, and she's like very glamorous and it's in Paris and it's just a really fun but very interesting movie to watch. But I think this made me want to seek out the rest of her movies. Mm. Um, and even one, there's a movie of hers called One Sings, The Other Doesn't. That yeah, like, yeah. I didn't like that much when I saw it. Like, I'm still glad that I watched it. Um, but hearing her talk about it added even, it like put it in even more context. Because that's a movie about like late 60s, uh, early 70s feminism. In a way where I was like, oh, this feels like the thing that I like how I think of it, but not necessarily how it actually was. And she talked about like what she was trying to do with that movie, specifically in France, which was context I didn't have. So I think this would actually make like this made me want to watch more of her movies and, and seek out the ones I haven't seen. I want to check it out. Yeah, that's cool. Boom. Uh, so my number 10, I like. Uh, this is a. I think this might be the biggest surprise on my list ultimately, because uh, I just I don't know. This was a movie that like I just couldn't stop thinking about. It, it might have been the best theatrical experience I had all year. Uh, I put Alexander Aha's Crawl as my number ten movie. Dude, I seriously considered that today. I oh, right really on. loved that movie. Did you see that, Ryan? I did not. I really do want to watch it. Though. Dude, it's metal. It that is. Movie rules. I'm excited to see it's it. It's so much fun. I had a blast watching this movie. It's ninety percent Barry Pepper screaming, <laughs> and. I didn't know that's so what I harder. wanted out yeah. of a movie. Yeah. It's like, I just had so much fun with it. It is like, it's very tense. It's sort of like, it's one of those movies where it's like a scenario that you think is going to get boring. And then it kind of just keeps finding ways to like mm. become a, a bigger, more interesting scenario. Dude, than you the thought the it ATM could. heist. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. It's, it, it goes to some really interesting places and 
ultimately I was like just very impressed with like the uh, the performances too for just like a monster movie. Uh, Kaya Scudelario, Scudelario, I think is her name. She plays Haley. She's great. She's like really really good in the movie. Mm. And her and Barry Pepper have this like very interesting relationship that's like a fun dynamic to watch over the oh, course yeah, of the yeah. movie. And uh, you know it's like a it's a creatures attack. I like monster movies. It's like a creatures attack movie. I and love how cruel it is at some point. It, like, it I is love her relationship with the cop and how that all plays out. Exactly. Yeah, it's like a little bit cruel, and then it's also like it's got a digital monster that I think is one of the better digital monsters I've oh, seen yeah. in the movie. Well, they did it with like layering over puppetry, so it was like oh, a that's little interesting. Bit I didn't yeah. know that. That's cool. Yeah, I think if in, in one of the Fangorias, there's pictures of like the foam alligator head okay, and the guy cool. operating it with like a mocap suit. That's it's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, because it, it feels kind of present. It really does. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the better like digital monsters I've seen in a movie. And I just I don't know. I had like such a it's like it's the only movie that in the theater I was constantly like gripping my armrest and kind of like popping out of my seat and like you know, because it was just like so fun and, and just thrilling. stricken with the thought of is it gonna eat the dog? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> most adore there's the most adorable yeah. dog ever, and I will not spoil his fate. Right. But yes. uh enjoy it. I, I really enjoyed that movie. And the more I thought about like what I really liked this year, I just I really dug crawl. It was super fun. Um so that's my number ten. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. I um I mean I yeah I could just second all of that I gave Crawl serious consideration yeah it's just a lean mean movie I think where it didn't I wish it was just like a little bit meaner okay because yeah. Alexander Aha did The Hills Have Eyes and that yeah, movie yeah. is fucking cruel I haven't seen that yet but at the same time like I do question whether that's the movie I want because I really am fond of Crawl well, as I, is I like how accessible Crawl ultimately is for yeah, yeah, being yeah. such a gnarly like fun creature feature it 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 holds back just enough I guess that it you know. It goes there when it needs to, but holds back just enough that I think it's like pretty accessible, which is cool. I mm-hmm. think that's fun. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's my number ten. Dude, you came in on time and under budget. I'm Look at that, it. eleven yeah. seconds. Really Any thoughts here. on crawl? You've got seven, six. <laughs> I'm very looking forward. We don't to need to eat that. all three minutes if we don't need to. <laughs> all right. So my number nine, we're doing it. Oh man, you guys knew this was coming. But my number nine is a movie that just like was the most warm, amazing movie I've seen in some time. And it was Danny Boyle's Yesterday. Oh, I love <laughs> I that. I loved list. Yesterday. It is a movie that is just about how cool it is as humans that we can make and appreciate and be bonded by art. And they use the Beatles to tell that story because everybody loves the Beatles and they just manipulated sound in a way that brought humanity closer. And this celebrates that in the midst of kind of like a quirky old school gimmick movie that is very funny that Danny Boyle shot the hell out of and has some really, really, really great uh, rearrangements of Beatles music. Uh, the, The lead actor's name, what is his name? I believe it is it's his debut film and he has the voice of an angel. It is so good. I, I just I, I bubble over with joy when I think about this movie because and, and it kind of has like an edge too. There's a couple things in it that it brings in these considerations of of the darkness of a world where suddenly the Beatles are forgotten. And uh but it also uses that for humor. Like there's nothing funnier than someone singing this truly iconic song that everybody loves and everyone being blown away by it because it's new and he's like what yeah. are you what are you talking about like this is this is yesterday it's like or but even like the scene with uh, his parents and he's playing them let it be and this is like the first time anybody has heard let it be and oh, yeah, parents, ever and like the phone rings and they're they're like oh like just hold on i gotta go answer this and like the neighbor walks in and he's like guys this is let it be like you don't understand what you're about you to experience. get to be the first people to hear let it be <laughs> yeah. for the first time so i i echo everything that you said dan this movie had it works the premise to like every possible conclusion while also being a really fun movie and mm. Danny Boyle like you you can tell that he's 
he brings that level of direction to it. Like mm-hmm. he elevates the movie in terms of just the visuals of it to make it feel very cinematic. It's very alive. It's it doesn't have the the gaudy edge that he typically works in, which I like. It's a little bit softened like that. And also like my favorite Kate McKinnon p- performance ever. It is she's so she is the no nonsense agent who's going to sell this she guy. Was in it. Oh, she's so funny and she just talks shit the entire time and it's great. <laughs> I love her. Fantastic. And Himesh Patel is is the uh, lead actor's name. I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. You re- remember when we had Ron on? Yeah, and yeah. He was gushing about it. Yeah, He's a musician. Right. And yeah. so it's like, I, I imagine it's true to the thought processes of musicians as well. Yeah. And yesterday has probably the most insane, I can't believe they actually did that moment of yeah. any movie I saw this year. Oh, really? That's yeah. true. I, I will not spoil it because yeah. until it happened, I was like, there's no way they're going to do this. And even if they do this, it's not going to be that. And then mm. they did that. And I was like, Holy shit. And I will say I just that, have to respect it. Yeah, yeah. I'll say that 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 sequence was cast very well yes. and very surprisingly. Yes. Um and also unsurprisingly because it's like part of the team. Right. But it feels very true. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. So yeah, yesterday I just I I loved it. It was phenomenal. Hell yeah. Uh What's so, your number 9? So my number 9 movie is a movie from a filmmaker you guys really love, but this was my first experience seeing one of his films. Oh. It's his third film, Waves. Oh, uh, Schultz is my yes, movie. Yes, right this on. This is one of the uh, sore spots on my list where it's like, I've not seen Waves yet. And boy, do I regret not being able to, uh, that I couldn't make this list without seeing You know what I mean? Like, I wish I had seen it before right. I made this. Um, I didn't know what to expect going in because I'd heard people be very positive about this movie. I've heard people be very negative about this movie. And so I was like, I'm going to watch it and go for this ride and see where it takes me. And I was very captivated by the filmmaking and style choices in the first half of the movie. Uh, and then the movie becomes a different movie in the second half. Yes, I've, I've kind of am familiar with the the little kind of trick that it pulls. Yeah. So watching the first half, I was like, oh, I really want to know more about this other person. Yeah. And then the second half of the movie is all about that other person. Yeah, yeah. That's the only time and watching a movie a performance. that's ever actually right. paid off. Right, yeah. <laughs> that other person. Yeah. Like that is a that is like a performance that I could, I just, it was unbelievable. And the way, and I, I really wasn't, the reason that this movie made my top 10 list yeah. was because of the last 10 minutes. Because mm. uh, all the way through, I was like, I understand where this is going. This yeah. is telling a very powerful story about family and expectations and like how we decide who we are in the world. And then the last, like, and then it's the second half starts to bring in parallels to the things that we've seen before and the choices that we've seen before. And you understand why every person is making the choice they're making within a context and how it's all working. And then the last like 10 or 15 minutes of this movie destroyed me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where it just, all the emotional weight came crashing down and just tying into like a wave. That, yeah. Like Cresting a wave. <laughs> emotionally. Um, and like tying into things that I've been going through in my real life this year. Mm. It's like this mm-hmm. movie, I mean, it could be a right place, right time, but yeah, Every it built to something that I wasn't expecting and built to it in a way that I really enjoy it really enjoyed watching. Yeah. And when that all came together, it just I was like, that's it's just a great movie. That's if awesome. Kresha is Trey Edward Schultz like playing with space yeah, as yeah. a directing thing. I think it comes at night is him playing with light. Yeah. And this one he's playing with color. Oh and so even yeah. just on a craft of level, it's phenomenal. But uh, m- more cool. on this later. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I highly recommend Cretia if you enjoyed Waves as much because it sounds like it, what you're describing was like my exact experience with Cretia oh, awesome. where it was like hitting a weird personal space for me while also being like, uh, 
you know, just like a very good, enjoyable movie that then in the last 10 minutes was like, Jesus, fuck. You yeah. know, like it, it's it's very good. Awesome. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to check uh, Chris out for since I think you mentioned it. On I, I put it on my best on. of the yeah. decade list. Too. Um, and like I just haven't gotten to it. So now that I'm all caught up on this year, I'll yeah, be yeah. able to jump back. Highly to, recommend to that. So, yeah. Cool. So, Garrett, what's your what's your number? Uh, my nine? number. What are we on nine? nine. I'm on number nine. Uh, my number nine is uh, Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse, uh, which is the second film or the second feature by Robert Eggers, I believe. Uh, I also loved his first movie, The Witch, and uh, people were talking up The Lighthouse a lot. I was very excited to see it. It features one of my uh, most favorite actors of the moment, Robert Pattinson, uh, who we all know on Movie Movie has become kind of a big favorite here, and uh, hugely, it, hugely supportive. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I mean, and The Lighthouse is just a fucking crazy trip. I mean, it, it is my kind of movie through and through it's so well made in such an interesting format and is such a weird story told as weirdly as possible through these extremely weird performances it's like super bizarre but it's very fun it's like never not entertaining it's always just is like, like fucking around with style too and totally, like i really love yeah. that yeah, yeah. And, and he's like he's even fucking around with like because you know it, it is similar to the witch in the way that it's like uh, uh, very. Um, it, it's highly detailed in in its depiction of this setting and and mm. these people. Um, but he's like having a lot of fun with that this time around. Where the witch feels like he he's like it's very intense that he like gets those details right. With the lighthouse, it feels like he's having fun with the fact that he's got all of these like yeah. really yeah. weird natural details. The witch details is more horror. And yeah, this yeah. is more him like doing an eraser head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's this feels like The Shining or something. It's mm. just like a it's a psychological fuck that is like. Yep really but like really fun you know what mm -hmm. i mean uh, and it can get uncomfortable and and strange and stuff but it just i just had a blast this is just like my kind of movie through and through and i really had a blast with it yeah i i really had fun with the lighthouse um it, it did not make my list yeah, uh, yeah, yeah but but i really really enjoyed it it reminds me of like a in a very early black and white cartoon yeah, made yeah, into a yeah, real life movie sure, where yes. we're like you're like watching a cartoon there's like all of a sudden there's a demon that pops yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Like, wait what is this the genre early mary movie? melodies when we wanted to scare kids right yeah. exactly yeah. like that's what it feels like to me and it's interesting i never thought of it that way um and and having all those textures in there and yeah like, like bringing that to life and the, the black and white cinematography is it's incredible amazing and yeah. I, uh, one of the, the my favorite things that we did as the philadelphia film critics circle is we gave the cinematography award to the lighthouse oh, that's oh, great. Good choice. Uh, which was awesome so yeah, that's great uh, i think i think that part is definitely recognized but i enjoyed the storytelling i enjoyed how weird the imagery got i enjoyed yeah. but the performances above all like willem dafoe in this movie he's, oh he's insane he's, might be my favorite performance it's of kind the of the role he was born to play one of my favorite per, uh scenes in any movie this year is the you're a fan of me lobster ain't she oh that, that, that speech that, that he speech gives is, like, is insane yeah. it's amazing if i had a a, a steak <laughs> I would fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, is the, yeah. the way he, I, this was the hardest cut from my list, yeah. hands down. And I love the cinematography because a lot of times when people do high definition black and white, it ends up just looking chintzy because it doesn't have that old feel. Yeah. And this does have that old feel, but it There's looks to this. new. And yeah, uh, yeah, this is just a, I love that movie. It's tremendous. Yeah, it's I, tremendous. I liked it a lot. I, I ultimately cut it because I thought I would like to see it one more time. Yeah. And I figured it would come up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like it just, yeah. it's, yeah, it was going to come up. Awesome. What's your number eight? Is it my turn? It is your turn. My number eight, and I, I think you guys have seen this, is Her Smell. 
Yes. Uh, I have not seen I've this seen yet. Man, this is another one that is like is, a sore spot on my list. I need it's to see it. Awesome. I mean, the reason that I love it is because once again it, it reminds me of Boogie Nights. It is oh, yeah. yep. a series of I think five sort of short films, each in a different style, following the post-career fall and recovery of a sort of Courtney Love-esque uh rock and roll singer played by Elizabeth Moss. And she is a fucking demon in this movie it is so insane how hard she goes into this and uh, i mean those scientologists pump out talent yeah. when they're for what it's worth and um yeah she's just incredible and it's an amazing showcase for her and it's an incredible showcase for uh why am i blanking on the director's name uh, alex ross perry alex ross perry that's it i knew it was a three-namer and, I still uh, haven't seen any of his movies, and I, I would really like to. Uh, yeah, I, this is actually the only one I've seen. And a, a lot of people that I've talked to are like, oh, I never really liked his movies, but I liked this one, or mm -hmm. vice versa. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to see how I'd feel. But And it's also one where there's like a network of bands within the movie, and they're all pretend, yeah. but they're all good. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. music's pretty good, and the score is, uh, is kind of like noise music. Uh, I, I just really love everything about it. It is a movie movie through and through, and it just guts you. That's yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, watching the first couple of vignettes, uh, Elizabeth Moss's character was someone I just did not want to be in the same room with this person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the sound design when you're like backstage during a concert is like perfect. Yeah, and even yeah. at home, it was very immersive. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I generally like Alex Ross Perry, who is local. He grew up uh, mm -hmm. in Montgomery County. Well, I don't know if I knew that. Um, oh, yeah, there was a, the music was done locally too. There was or like the the woman who wrote the music that the bands played. She was local, I think. They were at the cool. the screening that I saw the first time I saw it, and they did a little Q and A. And I think that also sold me on the movie because Alex Ross Perry was like cool as shit. Oh yeah, and he's, he's just like a nerd who's just a, guess, so uh, younger than me. He's been on a guest on the Blank Check podcast a couple times. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, very yeah. funny on there. I saw Listen Up, Philip. Uh, which was his like right. breakout movie, which I liked very much. I heard that's good. Uh, but yeah, Her Smell is just, it's an amazing movie. Like it's the kind of thing where you you just look at the piece of art and you're like, this feels like it couldn't exist, but it does. Mm -hmm. um, and then by the time you get to the like slower, quieter sections of the movie, I was completely on board. Um, but the, 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 first, the first couple of scenes are like purposely uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In a way that oh, it's just aggressive. really effective. Yeah. Like you just like I just want to leave. Like I want to leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot like like it's a lot like Mother at the beginning yeah. where it's just calamity, but like managed calamity, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's just killing you. Huh. But yeah, that is a it's a hell of a movie, and I have right. I, I love it so much that I have my my something she pin yeah. on my hat <laughs> because I love that's uh that's uh, Elizabeth Moss's band something she the uh, something she it's a great name yeah and um uh the the Brian Adams song uh, uh, towards the it, end uh, is that heaven. Yes, yes. Yeah. There's a performance of that that is just like heart wrenching. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah. It's it's, it's Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, you and you would like it. It's very cool. So yeah, her smell. I'm into yeah. it. So my number eight uh, is actually in a similar vibe, I would say, uh, and that's Uncut Gems. Oh, right on, guys! Another sore spot on my list. I need to see it's this the movie. Sore spot. Yeah. It's it's a sore spot. Yeah. Um. So it's by the Safdie brothers. I still Love have not them. caught up with Good Time. Yeah. Uh, and now I also need to watch that immediately because going into this, I didn't wasn't expecting much. I was like, this feels like the kind of movie I'm not going to like. Yeah. And then I was completely blown away and sweaty. For this yes. entire movie, because the uh, a lot of it takes place in the jewelry shop that Adam Sandler's character runs. There are just too many people in this space. There's oh, too many so people small. talking. Things are happening. Things are not happening. Mistakes are being made. Like 
and just the way that it bounced, like the speed at which all of this stuff is happening. Like this is a very New York movie in that it's very fast. It's very yeah. manic. And the, but everything is note perfect. Yeah. Like everything is happening so that you know what is going on at all times. And the way that's all orchestrated together is amazing. And then Adam Sandler's performance is incredible. Yeah. yeah he's doing his best John Turturro. Oh, and, uh, but like in a way that like where John Turturro is pathetic, that's where his charm comes from. Right. This guy's a fucking monster. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, uh, I described in my letterbox review as a human ulcer uh-huh. because <laughs> oh, that is perfect. Cause he is, Entirely made of stress. Uh-huh. He's a gambling addict. Uh-huh. He lives on stress. He right. loves he, stress. Like, and it's one of the the most Jewish movies I've seen in mm. a very long time. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a a scene where he's at his family's Passover celebration. Oh, that um, and that's a great. What's uh, what's her name? Adina Menzel. Adina Menzel. She is, is great in that. She scene. is great in the whole movie because she really um, she gets to put Adam Sandler's character kind of in his place a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. the only one that like can get away with talking to him like that. Yeah. Um, but then also, also my boy Lakeith's in it. I love, <laughs> I love Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, and Lights then up a room that boy. Newcomer Julia Fox, like mm. almost like steals the movie almost because yeah. her performance is amazing, and she's a character that when you first meet her, you're like, oh, clearly this is that character, and there's so much more going on with her in a very interesting but very like realistic way that I just really appreciated and. I, I don't know. Like I said, I was not expecting much and was just completely blown away that everything in this movie is just like as it should be. It's no perfect. That was I said, totally um, my experience with Good Time. Yeah, it's the same sort yeah. of thing. Uh, I told, I said to Jenna, it's the it's these the the best sustained butthole clench of 2019 because uh-huh. <laughs> it was just. Ah! But I, I, the Safties just that I, I've only seen Good Time in this. I want to see what's it Heaven Can Wait. I think yeah. it's called. Yeah, and I, that's what I understand is they are just there to just like abraze you with their <laughs> yeah. with their movies and so yeah but yeah more on this later and, okay. and yet somehow are like so entertaining you so know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. but weirdly funny experience. weirdly right. charming yeah. Yeah. and like kind of true to the characters yeah. uh extreme mental states yes. it's yeah. like it's, it's I bizarre a, how good i had a blast watching this yeah. movie like i was nervous as hell but i was loving every second of it it's so weird to try and sell someone on their movies because it's like it's the most stressful thing you'll ever see you'll have a blast you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean yeah. it's yeah. like it's so hard to uh, describe that experience. It's, and it's witty and just, yeah. it made me care about basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Kevin Garnett, good actor. He was great. <laughs> he was really good in it. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. Looking forward to that Jared, one, too. What's your number eight? Eight, is that what we're doing? My number eight is uh, uh, Deerskin. Oh, yeah, oh Directed nice. by Quentin Another tough cut. Depew. Yeah, that was tough cut for me. Yeah. Uh, George. Yeah, I mean, that. this George. one... This one kind of bumped on and off of my list, and then I just was like, that's like the funniest thing I've seen this year. <laughs> Deerskin is the weirdest, funny. It's just so funny, and and it's a movie where I was like, I was really trying to figure out what was my favorite stuff I saw this year, and I really got to a point where I was like, what do I want to watch again? And it's like, I want to see Deerskin again now, yeah. tomorrow, and on Sunday again. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just that much fun, and it, it, so it's just, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it stars uh, Jean uh, Jean Depardieu. Uh, uh, is it what well, Du Jardin? Yeah, you're du, mixing Gerard, Gerard Depardieu, Depardieu from yeah. My Father du the Jardin, Hero, right? Du I just Jardin. need to get My Father the Hero du, for uh, Noah. Uh, du Jardin. Du Jardin. That's du Jardin. Right. Du Jardin. Academy Award Academy winning Award yeah. best actor. Yeah. Uh, Jean Dulles. As, as a man that just needs a deerskin jacket, and then for no one else in the world to ever wear a jacket again. Right. Uh, it is. Yep. So funny and weird. No, but it's a pretty good jacket. <laughs> I a little bit get it. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> that is the funniest thing. Oh, yeah. man. Well, yeah. I think what I appreciate about... One of the things I appreciate about Deerskin the most is that 
like the way like you describe the premise of the movie perfectly, and yeah. that's only half the reason the movie is funny. Yes, like it's yeah. not one of these movies where it's the premise is funny, and you're just like iterating on the premise to find all the jokes in it. Right, there's a whole sense of humor that's attached to it. Yeah, I can't mm-hmm. even. I don't even know how to put the, it into the words. world. This movie takes place right. in is funny. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's. It's just everybody is making these like weird decisions that are like kind of funny. It also. I I want to bring it up that it also stars. Um, uh, Adele Hanel is that how you yep. say her name? Uh, who I believe is also in Portrait of a Lady on she Fire, is. right? Yeah. So she's wonderful in Deerskin, and I've not seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but <laughs> it's so different. I, it's like so right, different. Yeah. But I understand it is one of the year's great movies, yeah. and so the fact that I, I, you know, she, I think she's great in Deerskin. I understand it's so different and also great in put like she's got to be one of the year's kind of like great breakout uh, oh, uh, performers. Doubt, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, uh, so I think she's wonderful in this, and I, I just. Deerskin's a movie that I just kind of want to recommend to people is another reason to put it on my list. I think people should see Deerskin. It's very funny. You got to go back and double feature Wrong and Wrong Cops. I would really like because to. Because they take place in a similar world. Same yeah. director. Yeah. Um, there's an image in Deerskin that is something that I that is like burned into my brain that uh-huh. I think about all the time. And it's him driving down the highway with the fan blade out <laughs> the side of his car, yes. sharpening it on the street, yes. uh, and it's sparking. Yeah. And it's just like he's just having a fucking ego superhero moment yeah. and it's so bizarre but it's also terrifying because of what he does with this well, fan blade it's gruesome here's what i'm gonna say uh deerskin is a better joker movie than joker <laughs> <laughs> as the resident joker fan i will agree and it has one of my favorite endings Agreed. of any movie oh this yeah year. like just the way that it ends is perfect and unexpected at it, the same time it is i've never had the experience before where at the moment that i was like well, how is this going to end? It just ended. Yeah, it's, and then it, and was it was just like the it, right it was ending. Just over, and it was perfect. It's the right ending. It's, yeah. I think it's one of the times I've actually gasped out loud at something happening in a movie because it had that effect of like, oh, it, oh, this is the end. We're ending right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that when we saw that at the film festival in the row behind us, there was a woman who had an infectious and like lovely laugh <laughs> that was really, really feeling the humor in it. Yes, and kudos to her. It like kept the energy alive. Yes, so that it never had a chance to get. That that late in the game comedy thing where no. you're tired of laughing but it's still good that it movie like kept, kept it alive rolling, and yeah. i think it's like it's 75, 77 minutes, minutes 77 yeah. minutes so it is over when it starts so yeah. it's just it's yeah that that is such a joy to watch it and is it is not a joyous movie 75 minutes yes yeah. oh it is cruel yeah uh so dan what's your number seven my number seven. Oh man i tossed this one around my list so many times but it was gonna be here and it's it's us um us mm-hmm. is just I, I the promise of get out uh uh was fulfilled once again with us uh, you know Jordan Peele came out of the gate strong with this just like game changer horror movie and had to follow it up with something new and bigger and better but also as like he was on the hook for something socially relevant and I just think he delivered and where I think it exceeds get out is there's a couple sequences in us that I think are fucking terrifying it's a scary ass movie but it's like kind of a gimmick film too which i dig because it has like carpentry vibes uh the score by michael abels is just i think that's up there with halloween in terms of just iconic hooks and it's a movie where, that like kind of develops a new slasher and horror iconography which hasn't happened in a while and oh, I, true, I love yeah. the idea of the jumpsuit the big golden scissors yeah. and all that but the movie is about imagery and iconography and you know it touches upon such a large swath of things i like the idea of like you know self-reckoning and finding your own flaws and i love the idea that i keep forgetting that the performers are are not two different people 
uh, Lupita right. Nyong'o yeah. is two different characters, and I always forget, like, oh yeah, that's the same woman playing She's both of them. She's tremendous. But that goes for that. the entire family. Yeah. Uh, is it Clark Winston Duke? Winston Duke. Yeah. Duke. Yeah. Uh, who's Clark Duke? Oh, he's Clark the uh, he's the little nerdy white guy that's in uh, uh, Hot Time Machine. About, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Office. The dri- um, sex Drive. Sex oh, yeah. Drive. That's that's my first song. He's sex he's funny. Yeah. Okay. He's funny. But yeah. Winston Duke. I forget the kids' names, but they're both incredible. Yes. And yes. it's just like this big mean. Awesome looking movie shot by Mike Julakis of it's It a Follows in Glass. Movie. Yeah. Looks beautiful. Just like widescreen digitally shot horror is has brought forth a lot of like really crappy looking movies, but it's brought a handful of like like justifies the medium good looking movies like it follows and us is one of them and us is also like yeah we've had doppelganger movies but it's just it's new it's a new thing everything about it is new and I it's just. Us fucks. That movie is just yeah. so good. This was a hard cut from my list, especially because I just watched Get Out again to write it up for our oh, best nice, movies nice. of the decade uh, thing on Cinema 76. And I watched Us and I was like, man, Us is really fucking good. But I th- or Get Out is really fucking good. But I think Us is better. Like, it just, I think there's so much uh, meat on the bone when it comes to Us. Yeah. But like, Get Out is very good at what it's trying, at what it's doing. But I think with Us, it's been a while since there was a movie that I enjoyed not fully getting every single piece of it. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, and it rewatches nicely. I've watched it three times now. And every time I'm like, oh, that's just, you see how just airtight and clever the script is down to a line by line level. It all serves theme. It's like, it's just this lean, mean movie. It, it, oh, but, man. And I love that it's, it, the script is tight, but the world feels huge. Yes. Like the, yeah. the things on this movie's mind feel like the biggest Expansive, things. Expansive, yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to watching it again. I, I have a feeling it'll improve for me uh, w- with some more watching. I promise you it will. Yeah, yeah. I promise you it will. Because I do, will. I like it a lot. I just And also another great Elizabeth Moss performance. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's terrifying. She yeah. has most of the scares and uh, Tim Heidecker, he's terrifying. so good. It's it, yeah. so uh, he's very, very good. good. I, yeah, I, I love Tim Heidecker's performance. He's right. so funny. That's a neat movie. Yeah. Uh, right. What's your number right, seven? So my number seven is Ari Aster's Midsummer. Ooh. Oh, okay. All right. Um, this is a movie that I I have only watched the one time in the theater, mm-hmm. and I have not literally not stopped thinking about it since I saw it. Um, both in terms of the imagery, in terms of like the you know Scandinavian folk setting. Uh, but also the performances like Florence Pugh is fucking incredible in this movie. Yeah. Going through an entire gamut of emotions like uh, this. It's one of the few movies to actually like, as I've gotten more into horror to truly have things in it that feel horrific because they're kind of treated as so mundane. Um, Like the, the cliff jumping scene is one of the most fucked up things I've ever seen mm. in a movie because it's people willingly do willingly doing something and there's no like cutaway, mm-hmm. like you right. just sit with it and because it, it does you know it does that thing where you're like oh I know when they're gonna cut away they're gonna cut away right right before and maybe the sound will be there but it's just like no I'm gonna show you this thing because these people are witnessing this thing and then bring out the hammer right jeez. Oh, <laughs> um, I think the drop is worse than worse than the hammer oh, for yeah. me, but the hammer is still really fucked up. Like yeah. leg trauma uh, and just, gets me. And it it just this movie feels immersive. Um, yeah. You know, like I felt like I was in this village with these people. It felt like a situation that I would I could find myself in mm-hmm. and get brutally murdered. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, like it just everything about it. And then as a portrait of grief, as a portrait of relationships, yeah, like the way that ultimately this cult comes together around Florence Pugh is also like 
real, just a really interesting choice because it's almost like inspiring. Like there's actually a heartwarming message mm-hmm. at the middle of this thing, but at, at what cost at the same time? And I just, yeah, I loved everything about this movie. There's a few images in that movie that like really fuck me up when I think about them late at night. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a, uh, I'll be talking more about this movie later as well. But this is a movie that is like, for what its tone is, should not be as long as it is. Yet I never felt the length once. And then even going to see the director's cut, which has a half hour more, it just watches. The the whole thing just works. I, I think Midsummer is like a true, true masterpiece. Yeah. And so yeah, but I like more, more on that a little bit. <laughs> I like that movie. I enjoyed it. It did you gotta make, watch it again. It didn't man. make my list. But I liked it. Uh, you haven't been on the the Ari Aster yeah, train, but that's okay. Well, I know. I, yeah. If he was I, broadly appealing, it wouldn't be so good to the people it appeals to. Sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh no, I have no complaints works. about him. I just yeah. he, it's, it's not, not, not Yeah, it doesn't do it for me. But I will say, I, note for note, I feel the same way about Hereditary that Garrett does. But yeah. Midsummer just like felt oh, like the movie I wanted. It Midsummer worked for me way. way better than Hereditary. Yeah. Like I like Midsummer. You yeah. Know yeah. What I mean, uh, I just you know it didn't hit me the way that it seems to have hit a lot of other people. I really like shopping at IKEA and just the idea now that like. There could be a murder call behind it. Uh-huh. It's just really, and it's a, a it's a, it's like a funny movie too. Yeah, it it's is funny, funny, and it's yeah. like I don't know. It's yeah, everything about that. I is, like the is, performances. I hope that Mechie that Leeper is making royals royalties <laughs> for Will Poulter's performance as Mechie Leeper. That's so funny. Yeah, there's a the her sobbing at the beginning when she finds out her family has died. Yeah, uh, that sob is the melody backing the score. Whoa. Listen wow. to the score. It, it it's in the very first track. It's her doing that, and then it fades into, and you know it's a very surreal score. But yeah. there's like a little bit of a hook at the beginning that sort of radiates outward from the melody of her non melodic sob, huh. and the fact that there's that much attention to detail, and that Aster made it in like a year and a half, maybe. Right, I know, yeah. That's like it's it's a very crazy roll of the dice that I think pays pretty hard. Is good. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be good. Um, is it my turn? Good yes, movie. it is your turn, Garrett. What's your number seven? My number seven is a movie that I just caught up with because it's been, uh, it just got finally made it to Shudder. And so, I don't know, you might argue with me it was a 2019 movie, but I loved One Cut of the Dead. Yes, like, that was on my first half of the year whole, list. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I fucking loved One Cut of the Dead. I like, I even kind of knew what the gimmick was. Well, okay, I thought I knew what the gimmick was, actually. I had been told, like, hey, you're going to have to sit through, like, what feels like a really bad movie. The credits will roll. And then, uh, but what I thought was going to happen was then I would watch it again and again. I had been made to understand that I would see the same movie repeat a bunch yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah. And I misunderstood what people meant by that. Because the movie that follows that initial credit sequence is not what I expected. It's like this great family drama that starts playing out that then does turn into you watching the movie again, but obviously from like a different perspective. And then ends in this like extremely heartwarming moment that is just the last like 10 seconds of the movie that just made me cry at my desk at work while I was watching this on a slow day. I just loved this movie. It's I a thought movie, it was movie great. about yeah. how a movie movie can be a movie movie. It, it, <laughs> it, really it literally is. is about like the thing that I love so much about it is it's literally about like mistakes are often what make art what it is mm-hmm. and life is art and art is life so if mistakes make art mistakes make life that and I like, like that it's a testament to the collaborative nature of yes. of, of creating things like yes. that yeah yeah because mistakes are going to happen so like if you try and go it alone 
you're probably going to, you're more likely to fail because you're going to make mistakes and have no one else around you to help you improvise your way out of those mistakes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the movie is very much speaking to this notion of like, we're all in this together and are going to trip over each other and ourselves as we do this. But, but we'll pull it off. But we'll pull it off. It's like, almost we'll, yeah. the same dynamic that the Impossible Mission Task Force has. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> For real. But like I one agree. of the things that's charming about especially the later stage and like as as the Mission Impossible franchise gets better and better uh-huh. is that they are this family and they have that same relationship of yeah. like we have to pull it off with just these mistakes are going to happen. Yeah. I loved Wonk Out of the Dead. Oh, I can, I'm like, so happy highly recommend it. that movie. I, yeah. I got to get me a shutter login. It's, oh, uh, yes. Can I help with that. Yeah. <laughs> <right>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really want to watch this movie. It's so good. It's very entertaining. And it's, um, and honestly, the less you know, the better. Yeah. Like, we're being so cryptic yeah. because it's really something that you just like, just take it. Yeah. And right. it's, cool. yeah. And I believe I, uh, as we were looking at this for our, our, our previous episode, I believe it was made for $25,000. It is like, a remarkably cheap movie, especially when you see what they do ultimately pull off with it as a oh, movie, yeah. I think. It's it's really good. It's cool. Very cool. Yeah. I am wondering if I can request a break to pee. Absolutely. And maybe grab another beer if, well, if, and I can, if and a, there's one available. Let's take a little quick break. Yeah. Is it going? All right. So we are down to what, six? Number six, my friend. All right. Number six is actually, uh, since we did a little time travel with our last episode, that might be a future episode. Okay, number yes. six is a movie that we actually have an episode in the can about, yes. so I shouldn't go in too deep on it, but it is a movie called Luz. Yes. L-U-Z. I just watched this last night. Oh, you watched this last night? Yeah. What did you think? I liked it very oh, much. Cool. Cool, cool. I so understand glad. eighty to ninety percent of what was going on in that movie. I can crack it I, wide open for you. <laughs> yeah. If you li- when you listen to our episode, I'm I got the whole thing it. figured out. But Luz, oh, I'm so glad that everyone's seen this. So this is great. Yeah. So Luz <laughs> is a German production. It is spoken German and Spanish. We discovered through our episode, yeah. and it's a minimalist uh, demonic possession movie that. Uh, embraces the fact that it looks cheap by playing something schlocky, but kind of assembles a very low-budget movie into something that feels very Mm hi-fi. And it's just because of clever blocking, clever sound editing, and clever editing, and all being held up by like some of my favorite performances. Uh, Lu- Luana Veliz, I believe it is. Or Ve- I'll, I'll look it up. Right. Yeah. Is the lead actress who plays the titular character. And that is hands down my favorite performance of the year. It is... It's just she this really, really chilling horror movie. And and yeah, she's just it's not a big performance, yeah. but it's one that I think asks a lot of the performer and she acquits herself with what seems like little effort and it feels real, but it's this high fantasy horror movie that is I think legitimately scary but in like a tonal sense. And yeah. that's why it ultimately mm-hmm. why it's on my list is because it stuck with me. Yeah. I think about it a lot. And when I'm tired of thinking about it, then I think about the craft and, <laughs> and then I get into it again. It's a movie movie. I've thought about it a lot since we watched it. Oh, it I'm and, so glad. And like it you know it like it was one of those movies that like it kinda hit me when we watched it and then it like really hit me when we talked about it and then I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then mm. like you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's this, like it reminds me of a movie Exhumed would show. Yes, yes. yes. Like yeah. in a way that I is I mean I mean that it as is a high comp- appealing. Yeah, yeah. Um but just the feeling of like, oh I'm discovering this weird thing that a lot of people like haven't seen and mm-hmm. like, oh can you like it feels watching this movie felt like I was joining a secret club where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. now we can talk about this weird movie that a lot of people haven't seen, but like, Oh my God, there's, there's this weird thing. And like the sequence where she is miming driving a taxi. Yes. The pedal is, work is so good. The editing, the performance, like all of the pieces of filmmaking just come together. And like, it's, it's one of those where it feels like a choice made out of necessity, but the ultimate 
direction they went is better than if they had just filmed that in a more conventional yeah, yeah. way. Yes. And it could also like it's the kind of thing that could be a play. Yeah. You know, it's like Reservoir yeah. Dogsy like that where you could just be a play. I um the uh uh shit, lost my train of thought. Oh, well, it's okay. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, I I think Lose is just this phenomenal little movie and oh, I know what I was going to say. I often say like, "Oh, I can't wait to see what this filmmaker does when they have a budget." I don't want this filmmaker <laughs> yeah, to have yeah, a budget yeah. because of all of the creativity that happened but then again, I guess I'm selling him short because the creativity that could be untapped with more resources sure, would yeah. be phenomenal. I and mean, so I would like to see it. One of the scariest images in any movie this year is a guy just moving through a sea of chairs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really dig that. It's it's really cool and effective. It's yeah. Uh, Tillman like a, Singer is the name of the yes. writer director. And it was just fun to watch a movie that looks like it was shot inside my high school, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, 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 to your point, I do love movies that feel like something I discovered at the VHS store. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like uh, a movie you you accidentally pick up at the rental store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's the kind of thing like if you look at the cover of it, it it. Or the cover of it, huh? The uh, you know, uh-huh. like the poster for the artwork for it. The kind of movie that I would expect based on that is not the kind of movie that it is, but it does serve the exact same appetite that I'm seeking in looking for that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's and so it's a it's a new riff on an old thing that's just really cool. Yeah. I think and and the music. Mwah. Oh yeah, it is really good. Just very a chef's kiss. Yeah. Very carpentry, yeah. but like with this weird like uh, culty uh, yeah. chanting and singing in the background. Yeah. Um, yeah, it the rocks. Music, the music cool. was great. Yeah. Uh, I'm and, so glad that you watched it. I, I figured it would not be your flavor. Uh, well, I watched it purely on your recommendation. Oh, right on. Uh, and it was a 99 cent rental on Prime yesterday. <laughs> you got to do it. I was about to watch it anyway, so it was just a nice long. discover. That, yeah, like, perfect. And it yeah. was that was the other thing. I was like, oh, I can squeeze this in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm glad I did. And I love the not the not just the main not the main performer is great and she's very grounded, but yeah. the supporting performances are gigantic. Yes. And yeah. that dynamic just works so well. Oh, and the it, woman at the bar is like yeah. a really great performance as well. It's amazing. I mean, the bartender also gives a great yeah, performance. Yes, the guy yeah. in the, the translator guy, yes, the yeah. oh, yeah. is incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, I, the I uh, the guy one. in the lobby at the desk, yeah, great performance. <laughs> Does not give a shit about what's going on. Has no clue. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Uh, all right, so we're, we're number, number six. six. Right? Number right. six. So my number six is from a genre I typically despise, oh. which is a musical biopic. Because my oh. number six is Rocket Man. Oh. Metal horns in the air, baby. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, grew up with Elton John's music in my life, never got to be like a, you know, hardcore fan, but I love the approach that this movie takes, uh, which is watching this movie is really about the psychology of what it was like to be Elton John through the early period of his career up through like the eighties. So like, it's not, it's giving you some of the facts, but it's not really focused on like, oh, here's this iconic performance that we recreated, or like, oh, here's this moment that everybody knows about that we that we're like making into a thing. Like it's just very naturalistic, and he doesn't realize that he's successful until he's successful, and it, it doesn't have that like, oh, this path was destiny the whole time, and he just had to like follow his dream. Like he puts in the work, but also when you get into his addiction, the things that he was dealing with growing up, like it brings in all of those elements and makes you understand how he became the person that he was until he like sought help for those things. And I think, you know, as a person who is always trying to be a better person and always trying to improve, like that's a much more powerful movie to me. Like this is the journey of Elton John learning to love himself. 
uh, or really Reginald Dwight learning to love himself. The original song that is was created for this is uh, I'm Gonna Love Me Again. Yeah, and, and it's, it's a banger. It's the best song. I want that Oscar so bad. Yeah. We'll be talking a lot about Rocket Man in the near future. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, so that's that's why I love this movie because I was just genuinely moved by it and like it really is about a journey of self-forgiveness. And I think that's such a powerful message for anybody to hear but to do it in a way that also allows Taron Egerton to give a incredible performance showing a huge I'm range. I'm now pissed that Rami Malek won because that is going to undercut Taron Egerton's Oscar that he absolutely should get for this he movie. He absolutely should get that Oscar. He sings it too because that's the thing. Like Rami Malek did a great job. I don't want to take anything away from it. You know, For a mediocre movie, Rami Malek really crushed uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's just a stupid movie. It's uh, a but really fucking stupid movie. It's yeah, it's and it's a and it's an impossible performance because no one can sing like Freddie Mercury. Right. But Taron Egerton finds this voice that sort of sounds like young Elton John, but it's just kind of him doing his own thing. But it captures the spirit of Elton John, and that sort of uh, works the same way as the movie does, where the facts of it are irrelevant, but there's like an emotional truth behind yep. it that is pure and comes through, and it, it's. It's the best bio musical biopic I've ever seen. Yeah. I yep. saw a video of Taron Egerton performing with Elton John like mm-hmm. live somewhere and it made me want to see the movie because he was like he was doing something where it was like, "Oh, this is Taron Egerton's not like imitating him necessarily, Mm-mm. but they what they ultimately do is they actually complement each other well. Like they literally were like harmonizing with each other at one point. It's like these guys just they you could read it on them. They liked right. doing this together. Yes. They had a similar energy, yeah. they, you know. It made me want to see the movie. The you one, really, really The should. one last thing I, I really quickly want to yeah. say is that they also get away with not having the thing where, oh, here's the part. Here's the moment where he wrote, like, uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road because the, so- the lyrics are actually written by another dude. And so the way they are able to use that fact to thread the songs back and forth and use them when they are emotionally impactful regardless of the actual real world chronology of those songs being yeah, made. like it's sort of it's a brilliant. like a, a classical musical in that sense where right. the music is just worked into like there's big showstoppers throughout yeah. it that yeah. are just not actually happening but there's other parts that are real performances and things yeah, like yeah. that and by just keeping the the line of demarcation between that blurred it it just because the emotions are state. always coming through. Yeah. The movie bills itself as based on a true fantasy. And I think that oh, that really cool. says a lot. Yeah. And like it's cool because it's Dexter Fletcher who uh, you know starred in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. <laughs> but who <laughs> right. came in after uh, yeah. thou, He Who Shall Not Be Literally. Named yeah. left uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, and so but I, I maintain that if you look at Bohemian Rhapsody, the moments where it does pop feel very of a piece with Rocket Man. And you can probably credit those to Dexter Fletcher, but it, yeah, more yeah, on this later. It's great. <laughs> it's, 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 and I am like a, an Elton John like super fan. I grew up yeah, yeah. because the song is Daniel. So it was just programmed <laughs> into me because it, that was my Fair. song as a kid. Everyone has the song that their name is in, if, if, unless you're Garrett. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well. <laughs> so yeah, so that's, yeah, that's my thing. I just have my song, Ryan's song. Yeah. Just not, 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 uh, Listen, I'm going to be really honest about my number six. I legitimately worked very hard to take this off of my list. I was like, I just, I can't, why, it doesn't need to, why would I, Detective Pikachu is my number six. I knew it. I fucking knew it. I couldn't, it's Rob Letterman's uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. I, I couldn't, I just, I kept going like, I can't make an end of year list that actually has Detective Pikachu on it. I had to have seen much better things than Detective Pikachu by now. And the fact is, I probably have. But I've watched Detective Pikachu like three times since I bought it. 
and it makes me feel so warm every time. I just fucking you bought it. That says it. I love this movie. I really like the score. Um, uh, now I'm not going to re- be able to remember his name now you. that I'm trying to pull it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it is. I love the score. I love the look of this movie. I believe it was shot on film, but it has all these uh, great Henry digital Jackman. books. Yeah, Henry Jackman. Uh, it, it's. I love the score. I love the way it looks. It, I believe it was shot on film, yep. but it's got these great digital effects that look really good with the film. Like, I like the and I really. I this is such a dumb thing to be super into as a thirty-three-year-old man, however old I am. But I'm very. I love that this movie feels like the kind of kids' movies I grew up with in the early '90s. It's got a big, dumb, stupid villain plot that barely makes any sense, but allows for this like enormous performance by a cool actor that I like, and like this like crazy finale that like doesn't really make sense. But if I'm ten, is like the funniest, weirdest thing ever, you know? It, and it like really includes like. Like the world of Pokemon's so fun, and like it really uses that world to a fun degree. Like I wasn't as over the moon for for Detective Pikachu. Yeah. I think I came at it wrong, but I really did like it. Yeah, I want more movies in this Pokemon world. I think yeah. that is really where it sold me. Me too. I had so much fun hanging out there, and it was just pretty and nice and soft to the touch. It, it built so the world cool. really well, and honestly, watching it a couple more times. I did like it's it's really sh- it's like a 90 it's like a cool 90 minutes you know what I mean it's like yep. it's yeah. not over long a- everything moves at a really quick breeze and so like anything that does feel a little like I don't know if this is working for me it just keeps moving and it you know what I, I mean it, it like it's got damp streets and neon it, yes which is like, oh it's got, my aesthetic cool. is all over this movie uh, yeah. um, detective pop tart chew <laughs> exactly. I got nothing uh, yeah but what I, what I th- what what I love, one of the things I love about this movie is, unlike with the whole Sonic debacle in the back of my mind, they nailed bringing yes. the Pokemon yeah. characters into a world with real people in yes. them in a way that that respects the cartoonishness of their designs and yes. the unreality of their designs. Yes. But designs. they felt like animals, right? Like the wonder. They of that. found the mid- the middle ground. Is yeah. what I'm saying like they were instantly recognizable as that character. Yeah. But they were textured like they were real animals. And yeah. They yeah. moved like they were real animals. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's such an under, it's like an understated decision that worked really well because it was exactly right. So like not a lot of people talked about it because it was easy because that's how they're supposed to look. Yeah. And, you know, the geniuses that they are, they didn't choose to include Pokemon like Applin, the one that just looks like an apple. You know what oh, I mean? I like want the thing. job of the Pokemon <laughs> namer. Yeah. Hope, because some of them the are just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Ecans. Which is snake backwards? Right. Yeah. 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 My God! You, yeah. If you're gonna show up to work late, you got to do better <laughs> than that, sir. Yes, but, but uh, you know, I yeah, I box. just, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love Detective Pikachu. I just love it. It's like it's a comfort food. I movie love for that me. you love it. Yeah, that's such a fun movie. And, Dude, and I got the 4K, but I haven't watched it yet. Oh, buddy, it probably please, looks delicious. Let's have a watch party. Oh, right. Spread that it. shit on toast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's by the way. It's also I. It, I did not realize this at the time, but this is a movie that actually is owned and released by Toho, and I think it just turns out I love monsters. <laughs> like, I like them when I they're pocket size. I like them when they're big size. They do a little bit of both. Like it does into some kaiju yep, stuff which does. is really a lot of fun yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's cool when you think pocket monsters going big it could be a weird thing but I don't is, know that scene is, is kind of breathtaking there is a the track giant, uh, on the score that has a little bit of the dun 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 like electronic yep. yeah. Yeah. Nice. it's in there yes so, there's yeah, a number six. in um in uh what's it called uh, Mandalorian there's oh shit now I'm forgetting what it was there's a uh 
there's there's a riff. Oh yeah, it, there's a riff in the music that is the exact third montage music from Rocky IV. Yeah, dude. Yeah, we The best thing that happens in the Mandalorian, and every time it happens, I get chills. Is there's a there's a point in the Mandalorian theme where it transitions perfectly from a Bill Condi Rocky theme to a Ennio Morricone uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. old Western theme. Yeah. It, it, like it literally goes from like dun 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 to yeah, like yeah. it just like it I, breaks from one right to the other I, and it's like man, it gives me chills every time. How lucky are we? That show rules. They've been putting out the score every week. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, when that 10 disc vinyl set comes out, I'm going to fucking buy the oh, shit out of that. Amazing. Yeah. And I feel like I think the rules are Noah has to now watch the entire series of Mandalore. Although I guess Which he's probably I'm already sure, seen yeah, it. So he's, you're out of the woods. I would love to if he for some reason hasn't. Oh, yeah. What's your number five, Dan? My number five is, I told you it would be back midsummer, but I would like to Hell specify, yeah. uh, I liked the midsummer director's cut even better than I liked God, the. What a snob. And no, I mean I got to be a snob though. Big, but here's the <laughs> thing: I think this is a testament to midsummer, and I, I'm going to validate my snobbery here. Is that I think midsummer is perfect, uh-huh. and it's very, very long. And I yes. was like, there's no way that they're going to introduce more that that makes this better. It's going to feel like a special feature, and it really doesn't. It feels very complete, and it fills in some thematic gaps that I didn't even see fit to recognize the first time around. Mm. That seeing it again, and it, this all could also be just you know by proxy of watching it a second time, as more so than the footage. But it just it really works, and it's just one of those things where I, I am just so gobsmacked by the balls Aster has in assembling something so unique and so weird, and then so ultimately horrifying in a way that is like cellular to me. And uh, but also it's like it's another like you know right place, right time kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it just feels weird being at the state of adulthood where like I'm definitely like actually far into being an adult <laughs> and like change is a very regular process to that and I fucking hate it. <laughs> and this movie is about, you know, rolling with that change yeah. in a way and like the different ways to respond to it and you know, the the things you can and can't trust in a process of change. Oh, it just really worked for me. It was uh That's uh, cool. And yeah. it's just and a scary cool the movie. The kinds of change that you can actuate and the kinds of change that you are out of your control. Yes, yeah, and, that and that's just scary. Have to cope with. Yeah. Yeah. And it's as a piece of craft, I don't think I've seen a more singular auteur driven piece of craft since it follows and before mm. that the shining. It's mm. like mm. just mm, it's something. So yeah, Midsummer. I mean, we we covered it all. I love Midsummer. All right. Uh, so my number five. I, I just want to preface this by saying uh, every movie on my top ten besides Uncut, Uncut Gems made me cry. <laughs> um, but this movie made me sob for like forty five minutes straight uh, out of like recognition, and that's Blinded by the Light. Oh, right on. Uh, oh, this is the Bruce Sorry, Springsteen I once movie. Again have yeah. to, uh, get coffee out. Don't do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this is the Bruce Springsteen movie. Yeah. Um, now, I was at the screening sitting in, like, the second row and while the director, stars, and the writer of the book were in attendance, and I'm pretty sure they saw me crying after <laughs> the movie was over. Where was this? Uh, it was at the Ritz. Okay. Um, the day before, they had... The premiere in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and Springsteen oh. showed up and played a concert. Damn! Uh, and I got a last-minute invite and had to be, had to be at work. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had to it, say no. It kills me. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> what I love about Blinded by the Light is it takes Bruce Springsteen's music, which is very near and dear to my heart. It's music that I grew up with. My parents have been fans 
forever. Yeah. Uh, since early in his career. And it's, you know, it's very New Jersey. It's very America. And it transplants a love of that music to uh, a Pakistani family. In yeah, England, right. In a, like, in a terrible town in England. Okay. And so, like, I have nothing in common with the main character on the surface. Right. Um, uh, Javed, played by uh, Vivek uh, Kalra. Vivek Kalra. Um, totally breakout performance. He is a he is a star. Yeah. Um, and I have nothing in common with him on the surface, and yet I feel the same way about my dad that he feels about his dad. <laughs> you know, and I feel the same way about the places I grew up that he does, and it 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 shows to the unifying version, like the unifying pull of music, and finding those things. And it does it while at the same time tell, telling a story about being a fan of something that's not popular. Because this takes place in the late, mid to late 80s, which is after the height of Bruce Springsteen's fame. So this is like post sure, yeah. born in the USA. Um, you know, like there's a scene where he is like, uh, Springsteen's going to play in London. And he like goes to the local record store to get tickets like when they open. And he's like late and he's like, oh my God, are they sold out? And she's like, you're the first person that's buying <laughs> yeah. a ticket. Um, but it shows like how excited you get when you discover something that speaks to you and how you want to share it with everybody. There's a scene with him and his friend that they break into the like local school's like radio station and they like take off the Tiffany record and like put on <laughs> Springsteen as loud as they can and it becomes this like musical montage where they're running around the school and like in time to the music and it's just showing the love of how oh the musical montage to Born to Run yeah yeah I've listened to I've listened to the Born to Run album so many times because of this movie it like renewed my love yeah. of Springsteen. And it just it just speaks to the thing of when you find something that speaks to you and your desire to manifest it and share that out outwardly. And the script is also very funny in terms of like his dad keeps asking if oh, his dad's is so Jewish. Funny. Um, and the then, end of that movie like made me weep. Yeah, yeah. The, speech, the end of the oh, movie just it, it, because of the dad, right? It's 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 a father son story ultimately, but it's also a story about immigration and racism and all. Yeah. like there's a lot of things going on. Um, and it it's taps just, into Springsteen's music is about like the heroic struggle of the normal person. Yeah, and just how there is heroism to the daily struggle. Like you can't just live without give haha and <laughs> you can't live without give it's a new springsteen song. Uh, but it speaks to that and it like kind of you know like you said like i have nothing in common with this kid but like our struggle is similar if you want to look through the lens of springsteen's music and yeah it's uh, that movie was fantastic I, I loved it so much it's so much fun and you will listen to born to run a hundred times because it's so good yeah I'd like to see And it. you try to land the one, two, three, four. I, I probably listened to that song. No, like, I'm not even kidding, like 2,000 times. And I'm still like 50 50 on the one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not on a thing. No, it's not. It's, it's, and I always get, and it's funny when it comes on when I'm at work, I will stop working to like do it. And <laughs> only get it like 30% of the yeah. time. There's also an RX Bandits clap, like a, that I will stop working to just do to myself because it's, it's just like, spiritual law i do it a lot when there's claps and songs yeah you have to yeah you have to uh i've been caught whistling along to uh um that uh uh, paul simon song Uh, oh the chevy chase song uh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. and also me and julio down by the schoolyard so good of course (laughs) 
Um, so my number five is uh, Michael Dougherty's Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Of course. This is the year I fell in love with Godzilla. This is not your one? I really thought this would be your, I, your this number one. This was my number one. I, I do really enjoy this movie. It's you know not necessarily my favorite Godzilla movie, but it's like it might be top five Godzilla for me. So not not you know not my number one of the year, but I really like this movie. I have also watched this like two or three times since uh, I bought it. Nice. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. I've watched the commentary a couple times. It's just like... This has one of my favorite scenes in any movie this year when Ken Watanabe goes to uh, visit Godzilla in his nuclear house. It's super. Uh, drops off that nuclear Christmas present. Yeah, he's got that nuclear <laughs> housewarming gift for Godzilla. That shit is like beautiful. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I think it's like gorgeous and like there's something really majestic about the way this movie handles its monsters. I. I just really like this movie. It's Is there anyone more perfect to play who he plays than Kyle Chandler? Oh, dude, Kyle Chandler's incredible in this movie. It frustrates me that people think he's just like an annoying, bland, like American action hero. I went like up and like, down with this movie and ultimately yeah. was won over and, and do in no small part by your enthusiasm for it because I think you're 100% correct about it because I, I really liked that first Godzilla movie like yeah. quite a bit. It is good. And this one feels more like a classic Godzilla and I it wasn't really quite ready does. for that. Yeah. And when I watched it a second time with that in my head, I was like, oh, this actually like kind of really nailed what it's supposed to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's and, yeah. Um, I I love Kyle Chandler in this movie. Also, yeah. I also love John Bernthal playing the Kyle Chandler role in Ford v Ferrari because <laughs> um, <laughs> that is a Kyle Chandler that's role. That's true. Um, but what I, I liked think that movie too. What I like, yeah, me too. What what I liked about both Godzilla movies uh, is that they are the first time I buy the kaiju as products of nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, even yeah. with the, the size and scale being what they are, there's some, they, they move in a way that feels, like we were talking about the Pokemon, more yeah. animalistic, they feel but like in a good Pokemon. way. <laughs> well, so I, a very big thing with this movie that I didn't even realize until I was listening to the director's How commentary. Big? Uh, extremely big. <laughs> Part of the reason that this comes up is because it's so big. It's the first time Godzilla runs in any movie ever. Godzilla, there's been almost 40 yeah. Godzilla movies, and Godzilla had never run before. And so that was like one not of the... Not even in the Roland Emmerich one or whoever? Oh, well, one? yeah, I don't know. That's I guess not Godzilla. Yeah. That's not canon. That's a Velociraptor <laughs> yeah. made large. Yeah. It's like Clifford the Big Red Velociraptor. I guess you could, ar- I guess you could argue that <laughs> maybe there's... That he runs <laughs> that. You want to write this? <laughs> but uh, that is like the big deal with it, is that he like runs or whatever. And it, that is the big thing, is like getting... The, the reason you wouldn't want to do that is because like, what would that look like? But they found a way to give it like enough animal to it that mm-hmm. it like you you buy it you know yeah yeah i just and i think it's like a really beautiful movie it's like a it's one of the better like big budget blockbusters this year mm-hmm. as far as just like the effects and stuff are like very incredible i think and i know a uh, lot of it it's is very like, like post video game but yeah. in, in a in a good way yes yes you know, it doesn't feel like they're experimenting with it like right. there's a vision being served here that i think yeah suits and th- that. this is one of those movies that had a backlash that i felt like it did not deserve yeah. because i don't I'm admittedly know what people, was part of it but and i then, don't know what people yeah. were expecting and yeah, yeah. Like I, I went in with low expectations, yeah. and uh, my wife and I, we, we saw it in IMAX, yeah, because we love Godzilla, and we yeah. were just like, oh my god, that was so much fun! It was yeah. everything that we wanted it to be. The score, fucks, it's yeah. awesome. I bought it on vinyl. They invoke really the, like they invoked the Mothra theme. I, I mean, Mothra steals that movie. I, yeah, I'm sure that's uh, and her theme. Rocks. It's such a cool theme to yeah. begin with, yeah. and they tie into like some of the Mothra lore in they fun do. ways that yeah. are like fan service but like are like kind of deep cuts so it yeah. doesn't feel distracting from the main thing it's yeah. super cool yeah uh yeah i just, i love that movie i just think it's like super fun and cool and it just yeah i don't know as as a newly minted godzilla fan it's like that it felt like the right concoction of like godzilla elements that i've sort of found i really like uh, in yeah, all yeah. the other godzilla movies it's a godzilla's greatest hits movie it totally made with, is. with my and that's a great thing yeah, yeah. it's like what's it a uh, 
I, I made the joke in uh, about the Irishman is people are like it's either like this career retrospective or Scorsese's greatest hits. It's like oh, it's both. It's totally right. both, and they complement one another, yeah. and that's yeah. why it's you know such a joy. And, and just for the listener, Garrett is wearing both a Godzilla Palooza <laughs> T-shirt and a Godzilla hat right now. Yes, I am, <laughs> and a giant foam rubber tail, which frankly is getting annoying, yeah. but I'll deal with it. But hey, no kink shaming. No kink shaming. Mm-mm. No kink of the monsters shaming. Well, I, I I don't even know if I want to bring this up. There's a book <laughs> called Crooked Little Vein. Are you guys familiar with this? It's written it's by... The Alanis Morissette biography? No, no. It's written by... Is it, It's not Grant Morrison. It's written by a comic book writer. Uh, uh, oh, um, who, who wrote uh, Preacher? Why can't... Garth Ennis? Garth I think Ennis. Garth Ennis, Ennis wrote okay. it. I think Garth Ennis wrote it. And it's it's like a detective noir but it's like a it's it's literally just like all of the most fucked up real world stuff that he had ever found in his research for like his comics. It's like this detective has to make his that way sounds through like preacher. all it sounds of like these like super sure. fucked up underworlds. The very first like underworld he has to go to is this disgusting movie theater that's like hidden on the 43rd floor of a building in New York that you have to like snake through like a bunch of uh, fire escapes to like actually find and get to where they watch kaiju movies while jerking off with foam Godzilla hands and then they release real lizards to eat your cum off the floor afterwards. This is why I didn't actually really want to talk about this. And this, this is, is a like, real world thing that supposedly, he adopted into it? Yes, this I mean, is I, supposedly it's, it's a real... Yeah, this is supposedly a real thing that he found out about and just included in his book. I didn't want to talk about it, but I had to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, you definitely sold me on reading this comic book. What is it called? Oh, it's a, it's actually a novel. It's called Crooked oh, Little Vein. I think I have it. I can, I'll, okay. I'll dig it out. And give well, it to I'm you. under a stack of books, okay, but yeah, I'll take yeah. you up on it eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. I liked it, but it is... it's So, uh, well, as soon as you brought up it being a kink to watch a Godzilla movie, it's like... Well, I happen to know that that's actually might be a thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anything you can think of is probably yeah. a thing, yeah. and it's probably much harder of a thing than you yeah. can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yep. All right. So, what are we at? Uh, number four. Four waves. Oh, yes. man. I oh, loved nice. waves. This movie was just. It's so exciting to watch as a technical feat uh, because it's a director that I think has really worn his his development on his sleeve in a way that's that's fun and not gaudy. And I really like his style. And it really coalesces into this pure product here. And it's it's this just impeccably acted story that is so emotional, so real world, and so understanding to just like a variety of different plights and how they intersect. And it just it just works. And then the fact that it is two separate movies, you know, kind of radiating outward from a defining event. That is really what I'm assuming the title is about, is the waves from that. So the first half of the movie leads to a defining event, and then we see the fallout from it from different perspectives. And, you know, and it's there's a necessity that it has to be told from these two different perspectives. And so it's just this very dense movie that is so entertaining, and it's, but it's like so pure and warm too, and human, and nobody's perfect, everybody's flawed, and just everybody's love looks different and you get to sort of experience each of their loves in a certain way. And, you know, a handful of which I'm sure resonates with different audience members differently. So it's just this like extremely dense meal of a movie that I, it was, I loved eating. <laughs> Waves is incredible. It's amazing. It it's re- a masterpiece. It really and it's it really is all of the things that Trey Edward Schultz appeared to be working towards in his first two movies, just blooming into this wonderful thing here. It's and, it's fantastic. And I think the way that Dan and I have talked about it, it could easily feel like a homework movie. Like oh, like this is a movie I have to watch because it's so good and whatever. But it is also very just 
like an entertaining and affecting experience of watching it. Like I wasn't bored by anything. I didn't feel like it was moving slowly, but it is very sort of like it's manic at, at the same time as it is methodical. Like it's really creating that lived in experience that like you kind of become a part of this family in a way. Oh, I'm in the bag for it. I, I love Kreisha so much that I'll, I'll see anything that he's directing. It's the so. perfect mix of Kreisha and It Comes yeah, at Night. Yeah. And like I said, if, if Kreisha is him playing with space and the sec, uh, Comes at Night with light, this is with color. There's a, I forgot to I just realized I forgot to start the watch. So I'll just oh, end it fine. here. There's a shot in the movie where, uh, uh, what is the lead uh, actor character name? I can't remember. John Waves. John Waves. Sterling K. No. Brown? No, no, no. Well, I mean, either way, the, the lead actor, who's actually also in the other movie from this year, Luce, L-U-C, oh, yeah, yeah. playing a similar character. But it's him and his girlfriend on the beach, and it's at dusk. And so it has this very, uh, you know, dark uh, blue. Tyler is played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. Tyler. Okay, so yeah, it's Tyler and his girlfriend. Yeah, Kelvin Harrison Jr., definitely like your indie mini breakout about to happen. Okay. But, and so he's black. His girlfriend, I believe, is Latina in some sort of way. And... um. So they're both lit in dusk and very colorful. And her fingernails are this bright, like, flame orange that almost looks like black lit because of the dusk. But across the ocean in the background, you can see off in the distance just, like, a town or some buildings or whatever. But all you see is the lights off of them that have the exact same orange color as her nails. And the camera works around this scene, almost using them as, like, these tracer elements. So it's trippy, but it's, like, lovely. I, it. I, I can't believe how this movie looks. You're going to love Waves. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Waves is a masterpiece. I'm looking forward to it. Right, what's your number four? So my number four is The Farewell. Oh, right oh, I haven't on. Seen this yet. Um, so Such it's, a delight. Uh, written directed by Lulu Wang. It is both, I think, for me, it was one of the funniest movies of the year while also being super heartfelt. Uh, and also isn't a ridiculously good food movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, man, Aquafina, like, I just love her. I, and she really puts on a hell of a performance. She is quickly becoming one of my favorite actresses. I've loved mm. her in everything that I've seen her in. And they're all different kinds of performances. So mm -hmm. She doesn't feel like a one-note actress. Like, she really does feel like she has kind of, you know, she can do comedy. She can be very sarcastic and American. She can play, like, you know, she's... Here, she's a first-generation American and really, I think, embodies that experience in a way that, like, again, that's not my life experience, but it felt true mm -hmm. uh, in this movie. And it also is another one of my favorite performances this year with um, Zhao Xuzhen is plays uh, Aquafina's grandmother in the movie. Oh, she's wonderful. And she is the perfect grandmother, which is like the whole movie hinges on it. Like if, if she was not immediately the most lovable grandma ever, I feel like this movie wouldn't work as well. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's about Aquafina's character going to China, a place that she barely remembers ever having been before, um, you know, with her parents to see her grandmother before she passes away. And they don't tell her that that's why everybody's there because that's part of a Chinese... Uh, tradition that they like have best not to know you're dying right, right, right. so that you can so keep you can just have dignity yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's weird because that's something that I, like i definitely steadfastly don't agree with that at all right but it makes sense why that it's an honorable uh thought process that led them there mm -hmm. and to see aquafina's character sort of clash with that feeling those roots but also the american roots that is like no she has a right to know it's our duty to tell her is really interesting and it's but it's played for like very light humor that that you're yeah. right. There's some there. Like I said, some of the scenes in this movie are the funniest scenes in, of the year. And some of them are also the most emotionally moving. And it's not just her relationship with her grandmother, but her relationship with her whole family and like her dad's relationship with his brother that lives in Japan and like them reconnecting. And 
like it reminds me of being at a big family gathering where like you kind of know that like oh your two uncles don't really get along because of the thing that happened before you were born but you don't really understand what that is ever and it, it like it has that feeling of being in a family and like exploring those dynamics uh, there's a sequence at, at a, the wedding is the excuse that, that they make up to ever for everybody to be here. And there's a hilarious and simultaneously heartbreaking moment of karaoke that has stuck oh, with me. Oh, fuck. I forgot all about yeah. that. Yes. But yeah. like, it, it's the, it's like, the, oh, it's so intense on both levels where you're laughing and also feeling the emotions that that character is actually feeling in that scene at the same time. And it's just, I mean, Lulu Wang, I'm going to watch everything that she does from now on. Because I almost regret amazing. not putting this on my, because I saw it so long ago, it yeah. faded. And as you're talking about it, like, I had a wonderful experience watching this. And, and it was one that I was like, this is actually going to upset me, isn't it? And then it it's really not. It's like a nice watch. And yeah. it, but it, it pays proper, uh, just pr- pays proper depth to the themes that it's covering. But without like punishing you with it, it's it's very cool. This feels like an e- one that would easily slip me by. That I that now that we're talking about it, I think I want to like really make I sure I, would I like find it. It's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a fun watch, and it is really good. And it, it's like, one really of those good. movies I would recommend to everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like it's yeah. not a thing where it's like, oh, it's not your your taste. I think there's something that everyone will get out of watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. That's cool. It um, is really funny. Yeah. Like really funny. I do really like Aquafina. I was. Feeling that when you guys were talking about how much you like her, she—I I like her a lot too. She's the type that I feel like you would almost expect her to be typecast into the Aquafina hip hop character, right? Yep. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen her play that more than once, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, I've she's, only seen that in what Ocean's Eight. Ocean's Eight's really yeah. the only thing I'm thinking of, she's and so everything else is like kind of different. Yeah. Um, what was I watching with her in it recently? Oh, uh, Paradise Hills. Oh, I've not seen that. I haven't seen that. Yeah, you, I oh, saw that yes, with you. Yes, right, <laughs> yes, now I know what you mean. I literally, I literally, I was thinking of a cartoon that I now can't think of the name. Yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's I was thinking I, of that Guns N' Roses song, uh, <laughs> yeah, Paradise yeah. City. Yeah. Is what I was thinking of Paradise Hills. Yeah, and she was good in that. And yeah, mm-hmm. d- definitely not playing that uh, that archetype. Yeah, 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 just playing a character. Right. Yeah, yeah. she was good in that. All right, Garrett, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is uh, John Wick Chapter Three, Parabellum. Fucking nice. a, dude! I love these movies. Like they I roll. just there, and I I really like uh, Chad Stahelski. I think he's like a really really great director. I feel like every movie he's made has been like a supreme level up from the last one he made. Yeah. you know what I mean. Uh, Pre-production is it, king. It's uh, he just like practice how you play. Practice yeah. how you play. Yeah, and, and, and like you know, and it's not just how creative and inventive he's able to be as like an action director because of his history as like a, a choreographer and stuff and a stuntman, but like the 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 way he uses like lighting and color in these movies, I think, is like really really outstanding and something that feels totally different than American action movies. You know what I mean? Like these, these feel, uh, it feels like a new style. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, and it has kind of become, if you even look at the difference between John Wick one and two, you can see how two leans into that style. Yes. When you watch John Wick one, it actually doesn't look like you remember. I agree. And it's because they were developing. And now yeah. that it is a style, like everything's going to look like John. Wick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I I don't know if I like the third one as much as some of the other ones necessarily, yeah. but I do think that uh, m- trying to look at them as a whole piece 
it's got some of the most outstanding stuff in all of it. You know what I mean? He punches a horse so that the horse can kick the bad it's guy. It's incredible. Twice. Yeah. I, yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I think the first one is the strongest story movie. Yeah. But I think the third one's the most satisfying watch. Yeah, and yeah. When they build the world so well that where the shagginess comes through otherwise, it doesn't matter because you're like, this just makes sense. Uh, and just like the third one, I think, also adds a bunch of stuff that I really, really like. Like the yeah, zero. Yeah, like Halle Berry and Mark Dacosta. The zero character is yeah. great. Um, is her name is is their name Asia Kate Asia Dillon, Kate Dillon as yes. the as the adjudicator. Yes, that I, is one of the best roles. They of the are amazing. Yeah. Yes, and like such a great character, such a great. Now, I understand that they're in billions, and That's I've not seen billions, but yeah. the only thing that I recognize them from is this. Wait, I yeah. assume billions is a television program. I think it's a Showtime television program with okay. Don Cheadle. Yeah, I think and, Don oh, Cheadle. And, um, um, what's his Asia name? Kate Dillon. Uh, and uh, Paul Giamatti. Yes. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'll anyway, take it. I don't watch yeah. TV that much. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, watch Showtime. They yeah. burn me with Dexter. Motherfuckers. But I, I thought they were like fantastic in this movie. Like I, I and I like those. Additions That's a cool to the character world. too. Yeah, exactly. The adjudicator yeah, like, is like a thing. Like, of course, there would be someone yeah. here who is the ultimate high force to enforcing right. breaches of rules of yeah. the code. Yeah. Alternatively, there's stuff where we like, you know, go all the way up the high table, and I'm like, I don't know exactly what we're doing here, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, well, but what about what's his name getting some action to do? Uh, uh, the guy from the wire. Oh yeah, uh, 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 Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he gets to just like mow down like so just good. a selection of great yeah. weapons. Yeah. Oh, amazing. It, I just really, I saw it twice, and it it it, it rocks. I mean, it is. It, I just like these movies a lot, and was and then, very heavy on the dick trauma this time around, yes, which I appreciated yes. because and these movies make you squirm, and they yeah. this makes you squirm. And a lot of knives, which a lot I, of yeah. knives. I think knives Ooh. are kind of oh, underrated. a knife fight in a knife shop right? is like really cool. Like, that is like another one of the best scenes like this year is kills is, a seventy sixer with a book. Yeah, 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 <laughs> incredible. I mean, the opening thirty minutes of this movie are tremendous. I yeah. think that's where I fell off with this one is I think it peaked. Yeah, but at the same time, when I think back to that movie, the thing I think about most is the glass paneling. Yeah. That final fight, yeah. and I love Mark Dacascos as a so fanboy who just happens to well, be assigned to kill Wick. Well, just, well, and know. I like that you know it kind of morphs into a tower assault movie at one yeah, point, yeah. like which is also very yeah. fun and the kind of thing I want to see from a John Wick. Yeah, and it had a what's his name, uh, uh, Manzukis. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, I yes. wanted more of him. Just the TikTok being like, man, dude, this guy just came in and he started like shooting everybody, and I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Yeah. You just, I want more of that. I will, That's a know? really good Manzukis. <laughs> it's just because I kind of sound like him because I have a grumbly voice <laughs> and a dismissive attitude. We've been watching <laughs> Brooklyn Nine Nine, and he pops up on there every now and again as a undercover cop that never quite came back. Who <laughs> 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 done horrible things while pretending to be part of the mafia. He's like Serpico. Yeah, but like he's so far gone where he's like, and yeah, and that's it's also a sex thing. And it's, it's of course, it always is. Yeah, right. yeah. He was great on the league. I, what was the? I think they gave him the nickname Dirt, Dirty, Brolo or whatever. Dirty Rat. rat. Oh, dirty, oh, the uh, d- uh, dirty, f- not dirty, dirty Randy, I guess. Dirty is, Randy, uh, Seth Rogen's character. But they, right? uh, I think Nick Kroll says something about him. He was like, he was like, we gave him this nickname to mock him, and he's embracing it. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's like we're throwing shit at him, and he's just rolling in it gleefully. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the perfect distillation of what Manzukis is to me. He's unshakable, and he's yeah. so funny. He's great. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the next one. I, you know, we need Hugo Weaving and John Wick Four. Uh-huh. That's my only request. That would be oh yeah because it's gonna be the same day as the next Matrix. But right? even before that, they've yeah. gotten almost everybody yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, that's oh yeah because we have uh, uh, what's his name back now? Fishburne's yep. back. Yep. Is Carrie Moss in there? Not yet, not yet. But I there's, feel like there's she's time. in the John Wick yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are we up to? Number, number three. three. My number three is Rocket Man. 
Man, oh man, it is just so fucking Rocket good. man, oh rocket man. Oh rocket man, oh captain, my captain. It's just, it's the, this is why you do a biopic. We've done it so many different ways where it's like, we want to make it so true. And then it's like, well, that's just boring. And then it's like, well, we just want to tell you lies. It's like, well, that's just, then what's the point? And so this one is one where by being based on a true fantasy, you get this thing that is so honest and truthful. And it's a mix of uh, and so like that's why you make it a movie. That's why it's not a book that you're reading. You make it a movie so that you can you can just withdraw this emotion from your audience using it and and it's masterful. And that central performance just rules. I listen to Taron Edgerton as Elton John more now than I listen to Elton John because the soundtrack is is done so well. And it just it 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 just works. It it's I keep saying that it just works. The way it transitions from young Elton John to Taron Egerton Elton John during Saturday Night's All Right for oh, Fighting. Oh, so good! One of the best moments of and the year. And then it becomes like a giant like tap marching band yeah. in the streets musical number. Incredible! Like, and they don't do a showstopper with with Rocket Man. Rocket Man is sung sullenly while he's going through rehab. It's so well, it crazy. starts while he like ODs. ODs, yeah. yeah. And and it's he's like I getting his is, stomach pumped like during Rocket Man. It's but they're also it's like choreographed dance number where they're like spinning him around that's and like, putting him in a wheelchair. And I feel like it. that's it's crazy. the most across the universe esque as it gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it works because it's the only time they do that. Whereas like every song in Across the Universe is trippy as fuck. Yeah. Um, but I I love Rocket Man. Even the opening where he is like you're meeting people that you don't know yet because he's remembering like he's thinking about all the relationships that he has to correct and deal with uh, as he goes. Cause it's, the, uh, it's not, ended by he has to think about his whole life before doing a gig. It's, he has to think about his whole life because that's what you do when you're in therapy. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a therapy thing, which is great. Cause he walks into therapy in one of those big like floral costumes. He's looking all midsummer. And, and so, yeah, and it's, and I, we didn't say this when, when you brought it up on your list, but uh, uh, Jamie Bell as Bernie Taupin is yes. a really, really like he's overshadowed by this just behemoth performance from Taron Edgerton, but it's a really amazing performance, and he sings beautifully. It's it's a, he's great. It's cool, and their uh, their friendship feels true to what I understand their real life friendship is. I saw a thing. Uh, I was watching a, a thing about Elton John, and in one of his shows, he brought Bernie Taupin out on stage, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I've got this amazing career, and I really wouldn't have anything because I'm shit with lyrics, and so I wouldn't have anything without Bernie. Bernie, come on out!" And Bernie comes out, and he's just got this face like, "Why the fuck did you bring me on stage?" And he's just like, "Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you." He's like, "This guy is one half of what we do here, maybe even more, because I'm just a schlub." And he's just like, "Okay." Bye. Like <laughs> I gotta go, and it, it, I, it was very funny to see that you know I that love like, between them. I feel like this is the performance I've been waiting Jamie Bell to give forever. Yes, yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is finally like him arriving at doing something that I've the potential has been there this whole time. Mm. It's a phenomenal movie, and like even if you don't like Elton John, I think you can really enjoy it as a piece of film. And it's just you you'll come out of it, you'll want to listen to some Elton John. It is oh, just so awesome. happens I like Elton John, so I'm dude, you'll love it. it. Yeah, you're gonna it's lo- super you're gonna cool. Love this movie, yeah, and it's just it's like it's not apologetic uh, about when he fucked up. Like you said, it's about right. him learning to just be like, listen, you know, like things were extreme, and I I, I went extreme, yeah. but I was also very lucky, and I need to account for that. It's it's awesome. Huh. Yeah. All right, so my number three is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood uh, by Mariel Heller. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually wrote up this week for Cinema76.com how the documentary from last year, which is called uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor about Mr. Rogers, like that's the bio doc where they go through like his career and how he came to be the Mr. Rogers that we know and how, you know. But this 
like zooms in and focuses on like Mr. Rogers is not the main character. Like he is the supporting character um, to this journalist uh, named uh, Lloyd Vogel uh, played by Matthew Reese. Who yeah, this is a, based on a true experience. He I think he wrote for Esquire. Okay. But he wrote like a piece about Kevin Spacey that was like Kevin Spacey has a big secret. And the entire thing was just basically without saying that Kevin Spacey was gay, oh. like in strongly insinuating it. Yeah. So like he had a terrible reputation. Um he has a terrible reputation with his father. Uh, played by Chris Cooper, they get into a fist fight at his at, like his sister's wedding. Oh, at the if you need a disagreeable father for your movie, <laughs> look no further than Chris, Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper's uh, been playing them since he was 29 years yeah, old. Or, yeah. or if you need someone to try to steal the theater out from under the Muppets, um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but uh, <clears throat> but it, so it starts from like the most cynical person that could ever uh, meet Mister Rogers and. One of the guys that is like Mr. Rogers, like uh, like the manager for the show or whatever, he's like, oh, he loves people like you because he just will go to work. And like he's interviewing Mr. Rogers, but Mr. Rogers is really like, oh, like, you know, what happened to your face? Like, how did you cut yourself? Like, what's going on? And like just has a genuine interest. And it just it just reminded me of how like 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 this movie is like therapy in that way where you just need someone who's like in your corner being like, look, like I care about you because I like who you are. And I understand that there's circumstances that maybe like make you a a less than perfect person, but like you have to work through those things to get to be a better person. And like, you know, at home, this guy like has just had a baby and like, he's thinking about his relationship with his dad and how he doesn't want to make those same mistakes, but he's also like not the best husband because he's obsessed with his work. And so like, through knowing Mr. Rogers, what is supposed to be a 400 word piece about heroes, he turns in like a 2000 word story. Yeah, like the cover story. <laughs> and it was like kind of the iconic, like this is the expose on Mr. Rogers and like the anti expose because his closet, you know, will never house a skeleton. You know, it's. Right, right. I really loved that yeah. movie too. Yeah. And I think that it was, uh, I like Marielle Heller as a director quite a bit. I've liked all of her movies, but this one, like the structure of this movie is one that almost wouldn't be conducive to like story and her command of story is is remarkable it, it's just i was so yeah, impressed and, by her storytelling and, and that's ultimately why it landed up so high on my list because i think the script for this movie is not the best script but she directs the hell out of it and the miniatures over the closing credits oh, well, yeah. like the ha- they, they, there's a lot of miniature work yeah. in it and like she does that kind of stuff like she rotoscoped in a in a diary of a teenage girl yeah and uh just like really cool like old style ideas but over the credits they show like shooting the miniatures and that stuff is yeah so i just recommend it to everybody because again like you don't have to be like a fan of mr rogers to get it i mean for me hanks sort of melded into the role as much as he can um see i grew up with a lot of mr rogers yeah were you did you watch it yeah i watched it and that's one thing and i think hanks really does sort of like rocket man captures the essence of what mr rogers is but i am bugged by the fact like he looks nothing like yeah, mr yeah, rogers yeah, yeah, at he's all. too heavy and yeah he's really too bad. heavy and like hanks is hanks and the warmth that i have towards mr rogers is identical to the warmth that i have for hanks and there's something like that needs to be separate they don't meld right yeah, for yeah. me but he really does a great job but it, it's not his movie yeah, you yeah. don't like, think that he's like oh do you want to talk to like my friends and like the puppets and he's yeah. like no i don't want to like what are we daniel doing the like, puppet that's another one like daniel John. tiger i love tiger, daniel yeah. tiger because i was daniel uh, oh, I love the scene where he's a miniature. Oh my god! So there's cool. a scene where he becomes a puppet who is okay. the 
tripped out Zeke. And he's imagining that he is the stuffed animal that was his companion stuffed animal as a kid. Okay. And he's in like the land of make believe in uh-huh. Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. He's and it is miniatures, but he's a little dude. Yeah. It's and he, cool. it's like he's it's like trippy and weird, but it's again all about getting at that emotional storytelling of yeah. like this is how he's feeling and like you know, it's like a dream sequence or whatever. Yeah. But like, it just hit me where I live. So I'm like, I've been in that place. Like, I understand how he feels about things and why he doesn't even want to engage with his emotions and pretend that everything's fine. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But like, it's, yeah, this movie, I just think it's super well directed. It's not getting a ton of like buzz right now, but yeah. I, I think again, everybody should try to see if it's they a can. great companion piece to the documentary yep. that you mentioned. Uh, that's one that I think. Uh, did you see her previous movie, The Can You Ever Forgive Me? No. I think you should really see. Yeah, it. I, I would like you to would see appreciate that. that one a lot because yeah. that's probably my favorite of hers. But she's like part of the. Right. Oh, she's wonderful in that. Uh, but and Richard yeah. E. Grant, he's just the best person yeah, yeah. alive. But uh, it's a. Uh, she's like a. Ne- I'll, I'll never miss her movies club mm-hmm. now. Like they they've just all been home runs. Cool. And she reminds me of a like very traditional studio Hollywood director. Like she, like I would compare her to James Mangold in that I think she could make any kind of movie that she wants to, but she really nails doing like a mainstream movie. That's just the craft is just perfect. Mm -hmm. She's awesome. And she's lonely Island adjacent. Oh yeah. Her husband is a Yorma Taconi. Oh, okay. And so like also an accomplished director with MacGruber. (laughs) It's a, which, and I mean that with no irony, Uh but, uh, so yeah, she's just good people. Uh, my number three movie of the year is uh, Carlo Mirabella Davis's Swallow. Which oh, I, saw. I missed that. I at missed the that festival. too. Yeah. I saw it at the festival, and uh, I just loved it. This is like the best like drama I saw this year. I think it's just like an extremely uh, great central performance from um, Haley Bennett. Um, who I know I, I recognize from something else, but I'm, I'm not sure what. I'll pull her up. Um, she plays Hunter in this movie, who's like, it takes place now, but she's basically like a 50s housewife. Um, and uh, she develops an eating disorder where she starts swallowing household objects. Um, you know, it's a, a form of control in this life where she feels like she's lost control. Um, but there's also a lot of interesting stuff, I think, just as a 2019 movie where it's like she's married to like this the son of like a very rich business owner who's like basically a VP because he's the son. You know, it's like there's a lot of <laughs> She nepotism. was in Hardcore Henry. Oh, she was in Hardcore Henry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that must be what I recognize her from. Um, yeah, there's the Marley and Me, Girl on the Train. Okay. That, oh, des- girl on the that train. description of her husband made me think of uh, Colin Farrell's character in <laughs> Horrible Bosses. Oh, right, yeah. But it, I mean, it's like it's interesting. This movie has things like nepotism in it and these sort of um, she seems to not be from money necessarily, but is marrying into it and sort of this class divide. Um, uh, and, and then there's a lot more going on to it than that. But it just is like the character reminded me of my own grandmother and it just sort of, I don't know. I, I really got to, uh, this just like made me think about some, some of the people in my life and, uh, some of the relationships I've had with people, but also like, you know, realizing that like, you know, some people have like crazy stuff going on that like, you'll never really know about, you know what I mean? It's like behind closed doors or whatever. It, it, it just is like a great movie. I think. 
And as far as I know, it still it currently does not have distribution. Right. So if you are a person listening and yeah. you work for like let's say an Amazon or a Netflix yeah. Yeah. or some other film distrib the Cohen group, yeah. like you should talk to your people about picking up this movie because literally everyone I know that saw it at the Philadelphia Film Festival had nothing but the most positive things to say. It is. This is the one I'm kicking myself over because I had the time to see it. And I forget what I chose over it, and it was just not the right choice. This movie is like fantastic. Like I'm not selling it hard enough. It's fantastic, and like truly, uh, Haley Bennett's performance is like uh, it should be nominated at the end of the year. I don't think it's going to be because it doesn't even have yeah, distribution or anything. Yeah. But it's like it should be. It, it is tremendous. She's so good in this movie, and it's like the other thing is like I'm selling it as this like great drama stuff. It's very funny too. Like it has a sense of humor about these events. That it does take very seriously. Like, it treats them with the right amount of, like, respect and stuff. But it is still, like, it has a sense of humor. It just is, like, a really fucking good movie that I, I was just, like... And it's a first-time director. It's one of the best, like, uh, uh, you know, first movies I, I've, I've seen in a long time. It's, like, the direction is, like, so strong. The editing is really, really good. It, it's a really good movie. I, I, I love this. Like uh, I I don't it, remember. Like I'm just picturing high style, but I I'm, I it's just the assumption I have based on the single screenshot yeah, from the program. The movie doesn't stick. Out, just, the music does not stick out in my memory, okay. so I I, I don't know. Um, it's fine because that gives me a sense of like style. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it yeah. I I don't even know how to describe it either. It just is like, it's one of those movies where like you just kind of observe someone's behavior. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like less plot driven than it is just kind of like observing someone. But it just really oh, and there's like there's a really charming there's a carrot like I I don't want to spoil it necessarily, but it like it does get into these sort of like more 1950s notions of like controlling a wife when she's getting out of control, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and like eventually it leads to like they basically like hire this like ex con to sort of like watch over her. Oh no! To just sort of like make sure that she's not like because like she's sick, she's like swallowing house. They can't have her like you know choke and die yeah, yeah but it just leads to them like hiring this guy but he's like this like this like russian guy that like doesn't speak a lot of english that becomes this like they end up having this like very interesting dynamic together you know that what i mean really because funny. they've both actually kind of been trapped in this situation by this family you know yeah, what I mean? it's yeah, like, yeah. that's cool it's, it's really good it's a great i really want to see this yeah. jenna saw it and she had kind things to say about it as well yeah and so i'm just kicking myself because uh i, I had the chance it's uh it's great it's, it's definitely worth seeing well, I, I spoke to the director, and he was hopeful that they'd have distribution in 2020, that they cool. were going to get cool. some distribution early next year. I think year. based on the buzz, people will. Yeah. It seems yeah. to be like finger on the pulse of like yeah. the There's, you know, a, there's the a couple of movies uh, from the 2018 Philadelphia Film Festival that came out in 2020. So yeah. okay, there's good. definitely still time. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So Swallow, that's my number three. What's your nice. number two, Dan? Caveat, I am so torn between these next two. And so uh -huh. they're just both number ones and one has to come first. So my number two is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right. Um, I just, it, this is just so fucking all of my shit. And like, this is, is I was exactly say, this is like the most you movie. Yeah. I think I think maybe we watched it. in our time on the show. To, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, like come just out every, like I love this. Tarantino. I just always yeah. have. I know there's like associations to be made with the type of person who loves Tarantino and all that. It is just so... <laughs> you can ignore that. That's well, because it's like yeah. a bro movie, know, you know, and it's know. like a college yeah. poster movie yeah. and like not unearned. Yeah. But like this is really good. Like It just... All his edges were sanded off, but it was very much like it was just such a Tarantino movie. And he loves Hollywood. Uh, he loves, uh, you know, like criminality. And he did this like anti history story of 
of the transition between old Hollywood and new Hollywood and recontextualizing the events that surround it to like bring humanity to a person that has become a, a statistical uh, footnote in the way we discuss things. You know, like she was a victim and a wife and it's like, no, she was a, a Hollywood star. She was the dream. And it, it's all about that dream. And it's the first Tarantino movie that to exist sort of at the end of the Tarantino era in a way. And it's the first time that, that I'm watching and I'm going, he has become his own influence because he's been around for so long. You watch Scorsese do it and it's just tremendous. And the fact that it's also just fucking hilarious, it's just got the, uh, my favorite Brad Pitt performance, I think outside of Inglorious Bastards. Uh, Leo's killing it. And it's like so genuinely moving. Bruce Dern is insane in his scene. And as someone who's just obsessed with true crime, yeah. who has a just offensively encyclopedic knowledge of the Manson murders, who loves what New Hollywood <laughs> represented and uh, uh, what Tarantino you know brings to the table, it's just everything coalescing into this movie that he just nailed. And at like just under two and a half hours, if it went another three hours, I, like I, I would have been fine. I never wanted it to end. It was just the best. It's actually two hours and like forty minutes. Two okay, so just under three hours, and it was like, and so, but I'm interested because I know you like did like actively dislike this, this movie and uh, and but it's I just wish, crazy I, I i just want to say i wish that i felt the way that you felt about this movie like that's how i wanted to feel about but this and movie. and you know and, I, and what's weird is i read your review of it and i've read a lot of negative reviews of it and like i haven't really seen anything where i was like that's off base like it, it's yeah, just yeah. but it's the type of movie that i think is is really designed for a certain subset and if you're outside of it it, it just might not work as well and if it was a broadly appealing, uh, you know, Kill Bill kind of thing, it wouldn't feel so special. It's a it's a profoundly weird movie, and 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 I like that weirdness. And I think anyone who even dislikes the movie seems to appreciate the weirdness about it. And so I, I just love it. It's I, so good. I'll say I watched the first hour today. I put it on while I was finishing oh, up nice. work before I came over here, and it plays so much differently. And like this, is, it's a better hangout movie than yeah. it is a go to the theater and experience yeah. this like singular work movie because. Mm-hmm. And what's weird is watching it at home because this movie has a lot of television in it, which is one of my main criticisms uh, that I was like, why am I sitting in a theater watching people make television? (laughs) Um, But watching it on television at home totally makes sense. So maybe he's just outsmarted me and that like this is a better movie. Doesn't watch on your couch. He just figured out a way to to assemble like a hundred mini death proofs into a larger narrative. He was like, I want to make this show. I want to make this show. And he's like paying homage to all of his influences while also like, you know, just reckoning with the idea that he is one of these pop cultural influences. And it, it's just, it's the least cynical Tarantino movie and it has so much love and, and it, it feels like a mature love and, it, and that just resonated with me. And it's just so fucking funny. I, think I cannot, I, oh, I laughed so hard at this movie. I think about the scene in Brad Pitt's trailer all the time. When he's talking to the dog? Yeah. I love that. I think yeah. about that scene all the time. I don't really want to like do it, scene. but I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he's talking about the, yeah. was that a wine? I'll dump it out. <laughs> I'll throw it in the trash. And he's like, oh, it's so good. And yeah, maybe my favorite film dog ever. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, kudos, though, to Rimshot from the Ernest movies. <laughs> Loved Rimshot. So yeah, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it just, 
Tarantino made. It's not even my favorite Tarantino movie, but I think like in the same way that you would watch Avatar, be like, well, Cameron made his masterpiece. Like the, <laughs> this felt like Tarantino made his masterpiece. Yeah. And the fact that he just named it after the exact type of movies he was aping. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, but that is such a Tarantino-y thing. He just repurposes shit well. And this is the first time that he repurposed shit, but in doing so, kind of made it. You know, like discovered, like no, I am actually a voice, even though I am. You're right that I that I am just a repackaged version of all these things I love, but that's valid and that's announced here, and I love that. All right, cool. What's your and Timothy Oliphant makes his way into Tarantino verse. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, uh, we're so down to our twos. We can go yeah, over yeah, the yeah, time. Yeah, no, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no complaints about time. Yeah, my number two movie of the year is The Irishman. Oh um, fuck yes! I actually drove by Frank Shear at the cemetery where Frank Shear is interred uh, on my way nice. over here because it's yeah, five minutes away from yeah. my house. Really? Uh, Friendly uh, is is right near my house. Uh, <laughs> and, Friendly um, Lounge. The uh, Devil in the White City guy is also buried in that same cemetery in an really? unmarked grave. The uh, the the uh, grocery store that I go to, the Acme, is where H H Holmes was hanged because that used to be a prison, oh, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. not my grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's in it. In an unmarked grave, you can find it uh, if you look online. Anyway, we just got a whole bunch of criminal history between our <laughs> our, uh, our our homes. That's beautiful. Um, but anyway, the Irishman. So uh, my wife Jill and I watched it over two nights at home because it's three and a half hours long, and we are very tired human beings. And when we finished it, I was like, "Oh, that was very good. Like, I really enjoyed that, and I like that it's very different from like a Goodfellas or a Casino, and yeah. you know, Scorsese other movies." And then, like three days later, I was like, "I cannot stop thinking about The Irishman. Like, this is a masterpiece." So, it kind of had that slow sink in feeling um, because while watching it, I was like looking at the de aging stuff, and like, there's a couple sequences where you're like, "That is clearly a seven. I don't know how old he's supposed to be, but that is clearly like a seventy five year old man." It's more like the I, the the de aging didn't bug me, but his posture and shit is where it showed. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The same thing with Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel. Like yes, as soon as he starts moving, you're like, "Oh, that's an old that's an old man." Yeah. Um, you know, but I think what I liked about this movie is that it is very confessional. It also, besides being yeah. a gangster movie, it ties back into Scorsese's thoughts about faith. Uh, and redemption and what makes us human and it's an interesting movie to come right after silence yeah it really is right yeah, yeah. And, and like there's a scene at the end where the you know uh frank played by de niro was like confessing to a priest and he's like the priest is like well do you feel bad about any of this stuff and he's like i mean not really like i can try to feel bad about it but like so he like has no regrets but like and, you know, after that point, we see him, like, essentially kill his best friend, mm. you know? He, and like, learns to regret over the movie. I think that's why it's a gut punch at the end is yeah. there's, like, a moment of him realizing, like, man, I'm sitting on a hill of nothing. The scene that he is on the phone with Jimmy Hoffa's wife after yeah. Hoffa has gone disappear has disappeared is... Like that's like the first shoe dropping, and that's like three hours into yeah, the movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the second shoe sort of drops at the very end. And I just think, like again, this every piece of this movie informs the other pieces of it, and it mm. totally justifies the length. The sequence where he's getting an award at the end, uh, or not at the end, but in like the middle, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's like a forty minute scene, yeah. and it's it's one astoundingly directed it's yes. amazingly edited yes. and just the performances are perfect yeah but it's also a super fun and entertaining movie like al pacino as jimmy hoffa he's so funny he's so funny and so perfect because and he's like a tragic funny because you go right. into it knowing that yeah. he's right. not and like be... i knew jack about jimmy hoffa other than that he disappeared before right. i watched this movie same and 
I think what what his performance does above all else is make you want to be around him, and okay. it makes him likable. So that when he is killed, it's that much more tragic because you know who he is, and you understand that like oh like I would totally sit down and have some ice cream with Jimmy Hoffa, <laughs> and he'd probably call me a cocksucker, but like yeah. I would still like I would still want to be around him more, and like the way that it it threads in. Um, the uh, Frank's daughter, played by Anna Paquin, when she's yeah. an adult, the way it threads that relationship between her and Hoffa and her and her father throughout the whole movie is just—it's so well done, and it's the kind of thing like this is a master at work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I would argue it's similar to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, except it, here it, it worked for me. It's and it's Scors- it's totally Scorsese's Once Upon a Time in it's Hollywood. Been piece. Multiple yeah. movies oh, this year that were like very good directors do it, like because um, El Motivar, I didn't see it, but Payment. Oh, I really uh, want to yeah. see that. Yeah, also yeah. a reflexive career mm. you know retrospective type work yeah so I, again i went uh, in uh, rambo last blood <laughs> it's a uh, you know retrospective on one of the characters that brought him his wealth uh, cuts a man's heart out of his but chest yeah, I, I went in like you know with expectations high because it's a martin scorsese picture yeah. but like i wasn't expecting to be blown away and i wasn't immediately but then again like it's it's one of those where a couple days later i was like i cannot stop thinking about the irishman yeah. i cannot wait to watch it again yeah uh, the what's the song that it opens on and uh, closes on, yeah. and it's like such a great. What that that song that like uh, doo wop song? Uh, in the still oh, of the, the night. night. Yeah, yeah. And it opens and closes with that, and like that's come, such a classic Scorsese. Oh, it's a theme throughout. Through, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's like a uh, that's a uh, a very classic Scorsese type music drop, but it's right. like kind of. You know, it's not the Stones. Right, it's exactly. a slower, right, more yeah, reflexive yeah. thing, and I think that reflects uh, you know the way the movie is. Yeah, I um. That that movie is is just tremendous. It's, it, it, my dad was telling me because we, we were kind of half watching it, and he was like, "You don't understand." He said, "Back in the day, Hoffa was on TV every day." He said on the news, Hoffa like what was the Hoffa news? He said, "So like crazy. you don't really think because I only know him as like a piece of right. you know I know him actually the way that I would have known uh, uh, Sharon Tate before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's yep. the same sort of like you know it it made him into a person again as opposed to just he's, like a novelty piece of trivia. He's famous because like Men in Black made a joke about him actually yeah, yeah. an alien or whatever it is. He's the guy who they found <laughs> next to Bigfoot. You right. know like it's it's that kind of thing. He's the Loch Ness monster. Yeah, guy. I well uh, what I will say is like I, I liked this movie well enough but like you I have thought about it a lot in the weeks since seeing it. Yeah. Um, Maybe career best for a Ray Romano. Oh, oh my god, god. he's so Very good. good. First, especially the first like hour and yeah. a half, I was I like turned to Jill and I was like, "Am I crazy or is Ray Romano <laughs> fucking killing it in yeah. this movie?" He's like, I think he's yeah, about crazy without Ray. He was he was like my way into the movie. Nice. I feel like like once he showed up, I I yeah. had like something more to grab onto because yeah. De Niro's character is like a stone wall like he is inscrutable and it's that first like half hour 45 minutes was really tough the choice is totally valid and it works by the end because you understand why he's that way and all that kind of stuff but i was like very off put until ray romano showed up and he's like well i mean did you do it it? yeah like (laughs) that scene from the trailer is like so so no matter what (laughs) but i yeah uh so good i um uh, well, have you guys seen The Big Sick, by the way? Because he's also tremendous in that movie. What is it? The Big Sick? Yes, he is great in that movie. The Big Sick. Uh, the, uh, that's the with uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, oh, I did. Oh, you're right. Okay. He's very I like the, good, that was good That, movie. that yeah, is yeah. the yeah. best 9-11 joke that has ever existed. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
There's a really dumb movie that I liked, though. It's called The Grand. It's like a Christopher oh, Guest style is, thing. Yeah. And it's just like David Cross is in it. Um, right. Who plays Larry David's wife? It's a poker movie? It's about a poker tournament, but yeah. it's done in Christopher Guest style. But Ray Romano plays a guy who like is obsessed about always having a cool handshake with everybody, but like, <laughs> he's really no good at it. Uh-huh. And it's just a great, great recurring bit in the yeah. middle of like a decent movie. Yeah, that's oh, cool. That's great. Um, and I wanted to say about The Irishman, yeah. two of the funniest... Uh, and for different reasons, scenes of the year. One is when Hoffa like cusses out his entire office, yeah. and so Frank walks. Oh yeah, and yeah, then yeah. he has to explain to him like, "I wasn't talking about you. You're the exception." And he's just like, "Like <laughs> he's got to break down that wall." Like, what are you talking? You know? Yeah. And it's so funny, but it's such a great distillation of their relationship. And then my favorite scene in that movie is when he's basically telling Hoffa like, "You have to stop because they're telling me I have to kill you." Yeah. But the, the refrain is. It is what it is. Is it? It's what it is. It's what it is. Yeah. They would never. He's like, no, Jimmy, you got to listen to me. Yeah. It's what it is. And he's like, is it? It is. And like, how? They would never do that. Jimmy. (laughs) And it's so tragic and frustrating because you know how it ends to a degree. Right. Man, it's so good. How great is Pesci in this movie? So good. Because he's like playing against type. Because in both Casino and Cafellas, he's the manic, like psychotic killer. Yeah. And in this, he's the guy that's in control. Yeah. 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 Uh, And it's just. Oh, it's so good, and I feel like uh, this is the first time that that it became clear that Harvey Keitel has be actually become a cat. <laughs> he is a complete cat. He should be Harvey Keitel. <laughs> Harvey, yeah, he's uh, a yeah. man. He is, but yeah, that was it, Irishman was one of those things that like it. It, it was the Avengers end, end game of gangster movies, right? We yeah. all, all your favorites are back. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Expendables of Babadoba, uh-huh. and uh, and so and, and a great, it, it and a great Philly movie, and yeah. a great Philly movie, and I did not know that about them. yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. I mean, the best joke in the movie for me is the Schuylkill River joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, number two? My number yeah. two? Your number two. My number two is Riley's... Should I even do the stopwatch? This no, time? I think yeah. we're good. We're good. Uh, Riley Stern's The Art of Self-Defense uh, still may, has been one of my favorite things all year. and I, I, I cut this from my list just to open a slot because I knew it would be on I, yours. I'm dying to see this again. I like. I can't wait to revisit this. You just watched it this week, I did you, just watch it this yeah. week, and... It's not the kind of movie I normally like. Yes. Uh, I was, you know, I, I watched it because you guys had recommended it so mm-hmm. much and I'd never gotten around to it. So I watched it and I loved it. I yes. totally, oh, I I totally love loved it. Yeah. The deadpan acting style it's so great. is so funny. Hands down best performance of the year is Alessandro Nivola That's as name. Sensei. I was just going to try and get. Yep. He's, sensei. He's so great. Uh, Imogene Poots is Imogene amazing Poots is great. as always. Yep. Love, love There's Poots. all these little touches like you pointed it out that the two rules that yes. were added in the background after a shooting accident. Yes. Yep. Like, yep. No cut. Like, there's so many little details. It's such a fully lived in world yes. and it's this nightmare world that's completely of the making of the people within it. And yeah. So it's crazy and, to right. watch. And, and what, what I love about it, it is one of the best movies. And we've had a lot of movies about toxic man- yes. masculinity, but mm-hmm. this is, I think, the one that p- pushes the hardest without scolding you about it. Because yes. it's coming from the inside. A dude right. made it, and yeah. so he's like reckoning with it internally and, as well. And, and it's it, it reminded me of the like Homer Simpson quote about alcohol, the solution, the cause of and solution, <laughs> solution to, to all of life's problems. Like the dojo of toxic masculinity is the cause and the solution yes. to all of their problems. And I also think that Eisenberg is playing a very Eisenberg character in this, right? Like yeah. he there is a type to Eisenberg. He's that, pathetic, but he's very fast talking. Yep. That that he he does get cast in a lot, but 
I think he's doing like tremendous work here that's like really above and beyond a lot of what he's done, even with this sort of archetypal Eisenberg character. I've always said he was good within a certain range, yeah. but he's the best within that range. And this is a little bit out of that range. He like yeah. he brings a lot of mannerisms to this character, I think, mm-hmm. like a, a physicality to this character that really opened up what that Eisenberg archetype kind of is for me. Like mm-hmm. it, it it took it beyond just a like a caricature and like really made like a human being out of this Mm -hmm. guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I really felt like that was like, I don't think I've quite seen him do that before with this very Eisenberg like before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, when I first started watching the movie, like the first like 20 minutes or whatever, it feels very Mike judge and very office space Uh, Um, in in a good way, Uh but like also very different at the same time. And I think Eisenberg's performance is exactly what this movie needs because He is very relatable, but also very pathetic, yes. but yeah, also yeah. very like determined. Like once he makes yeah. his mind up about something and he's like, like the scene, his final confrontation with Sensei, <laughs> I, I was watching it by myself and I was dying laughing yeah. out loud yeah. because it's so funny. And like, <laughs> I knew how that was going to go down. Like I just knew what that next moment was going to yeah. be. And I was so ready for it. Yeah. And still the payoff felt so good. Yeah. Uh, it just, I was, I was really surprised by this movie. I yeah. totally, I just, I just loved it. Yeah. What kind of music do you listen to? Uh, you know, like uh, alternative light rock. No, you listen to heavy metal. <laughs> no, you know what he says? He goes, no, it's got to be heavy metal. Like, yeah, yeah. It's got to be heavy metal. Yeah. I love, what's the thing like, uh, I oh. forget what it is. Your kicks feel like punches. Your punches <laughs> feel like kicks. No, you need to and punch with your foot and yeah. kick with your fist. Yeah. Well, and they were like, he was he had like wounds on him and it was definitely from kicks, but there were more the nature of punches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that belt gag is the, oh, the funniest oh God, fucking man. thing. Great, yeah. Just calling into the idea of just like this really kind of patently ridiculous false idol in yeah. terms of my colored belt. Yeah. I love like when I wear my brown leather belt out, I... I feel like I'm wearing my brown belt. Like, that's so good. Oh, that's amazing. That is that is the funniest fucking thing yeah. ever. Also, I, two great movie dogs. Oh yes, yes. yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and that. So another thing I really like about this movie, and I like have liked about both of Riley Stern's movies. He made this other movie, Faults, that I really like. It. They are the kind of thing where you feel like, okay, I now get the joke. This is gonna get old in a minute, mm-hmm. and like. Every time you feel like it's about to exhaust itself mm-hmm. as far as like what it's going to be capable of, it like twists its knife like way further and deeper than you expect yeah, it yeah, to yeah. and becomes like a much darker, more twisted thing. And it does it like three and then four more times than that. You know, but you still watch? is funny the whole time. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's right. never not funny, but it's always getting like going further than you expect it to. It always crosses a line yes. that you think it's going to try and like yeah. stay yeah. away from. Like you the know? novelty will dissolve. Yeah. Like, did you watch American Vandal? I did not. It, oh, this is a different style. About. It's American a different Vandal style stuff. of comedy like across the board. It's yeah. really not similar, but it's very similar in that sense where at every moment where you go, man, this, this, this whole... The, what's happening here is just going to run out of juice, yeah. and they just keep like figuring out a way to like kind of self self subvert, yeah. And yeah. Art of Self Defense does that perfectly, yeah, yeah. Because like at the beginning, I was like, okay, we're doing Napoleon Dynamite yeah. both karate, yeah. it's like yeah. that kind of a thing, yeah. and it's going to be like a little fight clubby, yeah. And yeah, by the end, it's like, oh no, this is new and yeah. this yep. is horrifying. It's you know, and I think it's, it's so funny. aptly compared to like Jody Hill is the closest thing I can think of to this, but also that still feel is like a reduction of it's what different. The, yeah, he really has a because the other thing is he's a great director like he manages to get this very uncomfortable tone through his direction Mm -hmm. that i've not really seen in other things it adds like a tension to scenes that 
He shoots it's his almost... actors from a distance that is slightly closer than is typical. Yeah. Because that movie always had a sense of, you know, when someone's standing too close, yeah. but they're being polite, so you don't want to, like, be, and you're just like, it, it's like that at all times, right. and, where it feels you're on your heels. The uh, pole that's in the center of that dojo mat <laughs> yeah. is, oh, like, yeah. or slightly off center yeah. is one, both very realistic to every martial arts place yes. I've ever been inside 100%, of my life. 100%. Yeah. But also acts as another source of discomfort because things are never symmetrical. Yeah. <laughs> and so it just, just adds to that, like, oh, I just don't like being it's in this just not place. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's a footprint in the snow. <laughs> there's like a, I, like maybe this is lofty, but there is like this almost like Lynchian sense to it to me, where it's like there's a he he mines a lot of tension out of things that don't at first appear to be tense situations. If that makes sense, yeah. you know what I mean? Totally. Agree. Um, yeah. It and it's very funny. It's like. Definitely one of the funnier. Alessandro Nivola's every line, so the the timing funny. on it is is indescribable. Yeah, because it's dry, and the, you're right to compare it to Mike Judge because it yes. has like that dryness. But like Mike Judge always has like a little bit of a wink where like it yep. knows it's being goofy, yeah. and this never tips that hat. It is completely obsessed with its own world, and it needs to be. It's beautiful. I, yeah, and I I took like a little bit of Taekwondo growing up, and so it's like oh, yeah. it's also like I'm a second degree black belt. I know in you Kempo are. Karate. Yeah, and that shit is. On, it, like, it's so on point. It's so like on the, point. It, yeah, it, that character is like it's especially like, looking back to like you worshipped these guys yeah. when you were a kid, yeah. and when I look back, like the senses that I had, like you know, respect where it's due. It's all it came at the right time and all that, but like <laughs> I totally now see what was going on. Like I know what they figured out with their karate. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. It's you uh, found a world where you're cool. Yeah, <laughs> you're a nerd who likes karate. I hope more people check it out. It's you're a like movie. great sensei, yeah. Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, teach me ancient Chinese secrets, Sensei Mark. Yeah. <laughs> but my my teacher was was Mark Pronkowitz, but <laughs> it became Mark Russo. I can't remember. I feel like my guy's name was Mark too. Actually, maybe it's a Mark thing. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, it's like Mark Dacascus. Yeah, yeah. It's a movie I hope more people see because I feel like I, everybody I know that has seen the art of self defense really likes the art of self defense. But I still don't know a lot of people that have seen it. It feels like it flew by pretty yeah. much. And, it, and it's and pretty if you're accessible like me, as a broad comedy, like but, yeah. anyone could watch it. Yeah, but and if you're like me, who like you look at this movie and you're like, ah, I don't think that's for me. I would still recommend that you watch it because yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised. I liked it nice. a lot. Yeah, super funny. Nice. Yeah. Let's do number one movies. Uncut Gems. Oh, Oh, man. I fucking lerved Uncut Gems. Uh, There's nothing I like more than a music. The music. Wow. Okay. It's been a long office Christmas party was last night. The hangover is catching up. Both the coffee's running out. Wait, those are both movies that he has to watch. You watched Office Christmas Party last night? Oh no, I did not. No, I I went to the Office Christmas Party. And and now you have the hangover. Much funnier. And now I have the hangover three part two. Um, Oh, so now he's gonna watch the whole trilogy. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Oh, oh, in in reverse order. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um. So yeah, uncut gems. It's I well, I like a movie that that tries to to upset you physically. I, I've always enjoyed that. I think that that's something that that so few movies can do in a way that doesn't come across as as you know tasteless or just obtrusive. But it has to ride that line and also be engaging. It's pretty much how Crawl made my list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it has to be engaging and. It's it's just one of those. It's like a it's a new New York sleaze classic where you're just watching shitty fuckers in grimy ass New York do shitty shit. And there's no reason you should be rooting for anybody, but they manage this like I'm rooting for something to happen just so that I can breathe. Uh, and I know it's just I mean it is a powerhouse from Sandler. 
and it, he's so good he's this, so good this is the thing where like i am not a gambler like i just yeah. don't enjoy the with experience you. 100%. of gambling like yeah. i would rather take my 50 dollars and get a nice steak <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean cuz yeah. i know i'm going to enjoy it yeah and like I was ready to go, like, when Dan and I got out of this movie, we were, like, ready to hit the fucking casino. Yeah. Like, that's the effect that this movie had. It's, it's on nuts. your brain, where you're, like, riding that high that gamblers talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's one of those things, like, it's like watching Thief or, like, oh, yeah. watching The Gambler. <laughs> and where you're just going, like, get out. Get uh-huh. out. Uh-huh. You're, this, this does not end well for you, yeah. and you know it, and yep. you're chasing it. Yep. Get out. And he's just constantly just putting the needle in, putting the needle yeah. in. And but he's so manic and like there reaches a point and it's actually in the trailer. There's there's a line that he delivers and it's a point where it reaches critical mass of you're like, this guy is not a person anymore. He is just an urge made tangible. And we're watching it just flail. And it, the the fact that someone can manage that cinematically takes an entire filmmaking team. And that's why it's my number one. It's purely managed insanity so hyped to see and it's so it's good also really fucking funny it's so funny and <laughs> when i growing up like adam sandler was my favorite yeah, i loved, loved him sandler. i listened to all his stupid albums with the talking yeah, goats and too. shit and i love that stuff and like and i don't harsh him for just making vacations and filming him with his friends because uh-huh. you know what he's taking care of his friends he's Making a lot of jobs and making money and doing whatever. He but he's friends. also he's got family. He's got family. And and what's weird is this movie taps into that Adam Sandler. Uh, he yeah. does that manic trash performance, yeah. Yeah. but it's in service of someone who doesn't seem like a parody. He seems real. He is yeah. the trashy New York jeweler. Yeah, yeah. Who's just making deals. He knows some nice people. Oh, you gotta come check this out. He, the, yeah. the Furby, the golden Furby. Oh, I came up with this shit. Look at the like, And he's just so crazy and self-obsessed. And you just watch him eat himself. And it's compelling because there's times where it's like, oh shit, he can... He did it. Yeah. And there's times where it's like, oh, he's going to have the skin cut off of his face. And like, uh, there's a, there's a thing insane. that re- repeatedly happens in the movie where he gets he brings other people into some aspect of one of the schemes that he's running because he's running like 17 simultaneous. Yeah. Schemes. If they all come together. Right. He's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and like you, you're like you want to stop the movie and tell that person like all the things they don't know are actually happening yeah, yeah, yeah. behind the scene, and it's so like it has that sort of slow motion car crash thing where yeah. you're just like, oh my god, and then it has like when things don't go his way, like when some other character is like, oh well, you know, whatever, I'm running late for this thing. You're like, fuck you, you don't <laughs> know how much like you're screwing everything up, and it's like you just you're on his side while despising him at the same time. What Adam? I don't know what Adam Sandler movie I'm quoting but he did the you blow it <laughs> and this movie is a series of that's <laughs> just you blow it ah! but uh it man and and you know what's crazy the ending absolutely threw me for a complete fucking loop yeah and it's the only ending that makes sense and it, it like blew oh, my mind cool. i couldn't believe it i was like i cannot believe that just happened and that's exactly of course that again it's i awesome. feel similarly about good time good time has an ending that is like a weird like gut punch yeah. or whatever where it's like oh i did not expect this to be the end of this movie but it's and the like, best it's yeah. the right ending yeah yeah but i have, can't wait for you to see it, man it's like it's really some real shit have you guys seen meyerwitz stories i have not i have not i really want okay, to meyerwitz stories is very good but it also it uses adam sandler as a very real person uh he he he's um uh um why can't i think of his name now uh who plays his brother in the movie um 
the the other big actor that's in it. He's a director as well. Ben Stiller. Okay. The, ben Stiller and him play brothers. So anyway, but so he's got like a daughter and stuff. And so there's all these scenes where he's driving his daughter around in New York and he's doing like very good, like dramatic Adam Sandler. He's playing a dad. He's trying to be a good dad. But New York traffic is always terrible. And so it's Adam Sandler doing good dramatic Adam Sandler and then getting in a traffic jam and becoming the enormous comedic Adam Sandler. He like uses both both Adam Sandlers in that movie to like great realistic effects. It's really good. And and I would say that this is almost like a third Adam Sandler, which is a synthesis of the other two Uh, Adam uh, Sandlers. You know who he's playing? He's playing a new version of, do you remember? It's one of the best sketches on on SNL, the Sabra Price is Right. (laughs) I know what you mean. the price is right, but it's all the guys that run these like electronic stores, and so people are like you have you have a big ass Sony, uh, uh, you know, a stereo system. And then they get it. It's like there you go. They're like this isn't Sony. I'm like no, no, Sony guts, Sony guts. It's good, it's good. Like, all right, and like he's doing that sort of a character, but just with rot in his veins. Uh-huh. It is awesome. So good. I am so looking forward to watching this. And it's beautiful. It, and it's, it's beautiful. so well shot. There oh, yeah, are all great like, the internal stuff yeah. that's oh. like... And the way it starts, the the, yeah. the joke that this movie opens on is... Is amazing. I don't want to spoil it because it's, it's, Thank it's you. that There's good. a reason that we say we would say it's a sleaze movie because uh-huh. like, yeah. and you know, much like Good Time is where it's just none of these are good people right. but we have to just see if they can release the yeah. clench. Uh, yeah. the, a, f- <laughs> a funny story I heard, heard about this movie just real quick is that uh, Adina Menzel is in this movie. Yeah. She's obviously also the voice of Elsa uh, oh, right, right, from Frozen. Right. Mm-hmm. Also a literal Broadway legend in right. her own mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Uh, and a she, meme. She, Azelle Medim. <laughs> <laughs> she auditioned for this movie. She was cast in this movie. They were weeks into filming. The Safdie brothers had no idea who she was. <laughs> really? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, and they were just like... So like, she just got it completely on terms of talent. Yeah, and like that's somebody incredible. on set was like, oh my God, I can't believe that she's in this movie. And I'm like, why? And then they like explained it and they were like, well, shit. Like, <laughs> that's uh, frozen? She's, she's great. She's great in this movie. Like, cool. I really her handful her. of scenes are really... Oh, the, yeah. the scene at the play. Oh, my God. Dude, oh, uh, I just I I, <laughs> that is I like actually forgot about that shit. scene and like that's that and like that's a scene that is a short film onto itself. Yeah. like it's and one it's of those fucking where, like, scary as yeah. shit because you have no idea what's gonna happen. It's it's pandemonium. Yeah, man, oh. watch that tonight. <laughs> Maybe I will. Would yeah. you like to watch that tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh, all right. Yeah, number so, one is Uncut Gems, and I, I think it's a valid choice. So my number one movie of the year. As soon as it finished, I knew this was gonna be my number one movie of the year. It is Portrait of a Lady on Fire, yes. um, directed by Celine. Uh, I was there Sciamma. for that moment. You were there because for that we moment. looked over the back of whoever was sitting between us and had like a fuck. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think my first words immediately after this movie ended were to Dan and saying, "Fuck this movie for being so good." Can confirm. Like, yep. This is. I loved. I love every movie in my top ten. I love a handful of other movies that are not in my top ten. But this is, I think, the best movie I saw this year by a mile. Um, I would. It's not on my list, but I. W- I would actually like. I agree. That's true. It's probably the objective best movie I've seen in a long time. I um, would, yeah. You know, it. It's. It's a period love story with a tiny cast that takes place on some what I presume is an island in France, but we don't really and ever it's know. It's actually periodless. It's a period film by brand, but I don't know when it is. Right. I mean, I think. 
Yeah, I think I could figure it out just based on the music. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, like I don't think there's ever like a date. No, there's set. not. A, yeah. There's not a date ascribed yeah, to it. Yeah. Like it's not really about the history. It's just set in a in it's a time a period where you know you a there are no cell phones. People dress in fancy dresses. They get mm. their portraits painted, and lesbian romance is not a thing that's allowed. Right. Um, so <laughs> <That about> covers it. <laughs> 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 that's like the leanest description of like, yep, that's a period piece. Like that's what you need to make. Like, yeah, that's it. Um, and, and just the, the premise of this movie is that um, Adele Hanel from Deerskin, uh, her character, Heloise, um, is betrothed. To, she, was, she was a nun. She's engaged to a man that she has never met who lives in Italy because her older sister was engaged to it. And she uh, threw herself off a cliff because she did not want to get married. Um, and then the other main character, um, Marianne, played by uh, Noemi Merlant. I'm probably butchering her beautiful French name. Yeah, uh, she is, is the most to, striking person on earth. There and like, true. Like anytime she moved on screen, yeah. it was just like, oh. uh, <laughs> it was, so it's like amazing. She's hired to paint um, Heloise in secret because. The whole thing is you paint a portrait of a woman, you send it off to Italy so that this guy that she's betrothed to can say, oh, I will, I will marry her based on a, a picture of her, basically. Okay. Um, and they develop a romance, a relationship develops between them that becomes a romance. Uh, there's a female servant that also lives in this house that they, be, that they, all, they also bond with. And the way that this movie depicts the creation of art the creation of a relationship, an understanding that develops from, from two people, because this is a classic romance. Like this is a movie that is at the same time has every cliche romance moment you can think of, but it reminds you why they became cliches in the first place because they're executed really well so played. perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you just buy it. Like this is, you know, a romance that takes place over not that not that long of a time period, but you come to understand the depth of their relationship and the bond that they have because this is a movie ultimately about how women are not free at this time. They do not have freedom of choice. And like the way that this movie shows their relationship develop and the way you live with these characters, like for most and for most of the movie, it's just those three women on screen. And then there's a moment uh, where they walk into the kitchen and there's a man sitting at the table and like watching, I was like, fuck <laughs> you for being in this movie right now. You are My ruining it. My first thought it. was just like, ew. <laughs> He's right. going, oh, wait, what happened? Like, oh, I forgot. Fuck that guy. I forgot about you guys. <laughs> um, and there's a scene on a beach that is all women like in this community and they start singing together and it is Oh yeah. Beautiful. Um they released that as a single on like Spotify and stuff. If you look Ooh. under the French title of the movie, okay. Uh you'll find it. And like it's all a cappella and like it's all these women doing these different voices in this music. <laughs> it's kind of like Midsummer. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's like a chanting not like foreboding. But it's it's just warm and like you get the understanding of this community. Like there's just so much and there's like very little dialogue in that scene, and you understand exactly what's happening and like the romance is beautiful. The uh, sex scenes between them are hot, but not in a way that's like leering hot, like mm. just in a way that's like, oh, these are two people that really enjoy having sex with each other. And like, you know, we're showing a glimpse of that on screen. Um, and then the end of this movie is devastating. Like it is like a Ugh. sledgehammer and it's perfect. Like there's no other way this movie could end. Yeah. Um, that, when that music uh, cue hits, yeah. it's like a... 
I just, I just and felt like, like my legs were cut it, off. We knew it was coming. I knew, I knew it was going to be that. Yep. Oh, and I was like, yep. movie, fuck me up. Like, yeah, yeah. And then um, it does. It like punched me, hugged me, and then kicked me in the balls. It was just yeah. amazing. And again, this movie is also very funny. They have a very witty repartee back and forth that you just enjoy watching this relationship happen. Um, this is actually the first time I've ever gone to see a movie twice at the film festival because it was playing again the second mm. week. And I was like, Joe, we have like... Like you have to see this movie. Was Jill into it? Uh, she wasn't into it. She didn't. She appreciated it a lot. I don't yeah. think she loved it outright, just because she has trouble with uh, romances that happen over a short time period in sense. terms of like buying it. But she understood everything that I loved about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even it's she, so remarkable. Oh, this God. is another one that I knew would be on your list, so I left it off mine for stuff that's more fun. But like, I, it really is probably the best movie I've seen in a yeah, while. Like in, the, in terms of just complete economy in service of like not a really like classically economic film it just totally works um this just was, works <laughs> like during that scene on the beach the second time i saw it, i was like i feel like i want to like get out of my seat and like run around the theater and be like look at this movie <laughs> i've <laughs> heard this it's movie, like look exceedingly it. beautiful it it's is. like a it really is. really well shot and actually movie. the the actual the painting that they show at the beginning the portrait of a lady is yeah. like the most beautiful painting in the world <laughs> i want it it's, yeah, uh, and like I've never seen any like I've I've been to a lot of art museums and stuff, and I enjoy art on an aesthetic level. But I could never wrap my brain around like how do you paint, like how do you make a painting that looks like a real person? And this actually like oh, just yeah, a lot of process shows the process of like oh how you can kind of see how a splotch of color in this shape later becomes like the light that's on her forearm you know what i mean in a way that there's I never a lot of like tracing before. and then the thing like they show how it's done yeah and it yeah. was it's very satisfying so yeah cool <laughs> i mean i'm looking forward to seeing that movie that's like one of those movies where it's like i have trouble getting myself interested in seeing that movie but i'm sure i would like well, it, it is it. uh it's out in new york and la i think only right now but okay. it will be getting a wider release in like february march okay cool uh so i would definitely recommend seeing it in the theater because yeah. it it's a beautiful movie and like it sounds like it's a movie that's slow but it's really not like it really does at move along the story uh, at a decent clip so it, cool. by being like periodless and just being yeah. period by brand as opposed yeah, yeah. to anything like real world adjacent it gets to be its own thing yeah and that so cool. it doesn't play as like this turgid sure, yeah. um it's not right. melodrama it's, right. It, right. it doesn't lean into that and so it, it ends up being really modern feeling despite cool. having that i think you would like it a lot like yeah. really a lot i'll check it out i'll have to see it uh, that's a mommy maybe <laughs> that's a mommy maybe you're not gonna watch it i'll watch we'll it get, we'll, get tori, we'll get tori on board yeah yeah nice yeah. nice yeah. subversion we got this i'll watch it dude uh, you're up number one yeah. my number one is bong joon ho's parasite nice this nice I, pr- I i like pretty much knew this would be my number one movie like when i saw it yeah and then tori really wanted to see it so i went to see it again and uh i love this movie i like this is there's so much I love about this movie because I just feel like it speaks so much to like, like here we are at the end of this decade and I feel like it really just speaks a lot to like how I'm feeling at the end of this decade. You know what I mean? So I, mm-hmm. I like found it very relatable and stuff. But it's also like the craft of this movie is insane. Like the choreography of the camera with the characters and the way they all move around like the set and stuff is unfucking real especially like seeing it a second time where mm. you like are really looking for like all of the sort of like vertical spaces that everybody's yeah, yeah, traversing yeah. Yep. and like oh i could draw you that house yeah it, it like it is so tremendous the way this movie is like made and put together and like probably the funniest shot in any movie this year 
is Song Kang Ho turning around with a fake bloody napkin in his hand <laughs> to just sort of like, uh, yeah. like kind of like, how disgusting. Oh, like, I like him dragging himself the... across the floor with his oh. chin in his fingertips. <laughs> yes, that yeah. is some fun shit. It is so fun and funny, but also like oddly distressing. Like it kind of feels like a horror movie the whole time. You spend the whole time waiting for like something to happen. You know, it's yeah, got yeah. this like tension of like what. There's some other shoe that needs to drop. I have I don't know even what the shoes look like, but one's coming. You know, I don't think it just mirrors the fact that things are tense. Yeah, and yeah. It's on a level of factors larger than we can control necessarily right. on a one to one level. Yeah, and that's about that. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like about the the uh, just the calamity that can erupt in this weird system where just things are skewed. Yeah. Well, and and so like the other, you know, it's like I, I like so much about this movie, the performances and the script and stuff and the the set design, but like. There's a great quote that's been floating around uh, where Bong Joon-ho has been talking about this movie, and he was like, "I made what I made what I thought was like a movie very specific to being a South Korea, a South Korean person, like very specific to the South Korean experience." Well, the world's feeling it, man. He was like, "And now what I'm finding out is it's like very relatable to people all over the world, and I think it's because we all live in the same state, the state of capitalism, mm. like that yep. drives this sort of economic disparity that." makes this situation that to me is very specific to living literally under this line, this parallel that divides my country from this other country, having to sort of feed off the scraps of that other, you know, like this very specific Korean situation is actually like not different from just like how the world is operating right now, sort of being crushed by this system of capitalism that has been by going unchecked has kind of just like spun out of control. Yeah. It can be abused. Yeah. Yeah, um, what I love is this is one of the few like con artist movies I can think of where yeah, the yeah. con artists are not cool. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think that's what I really but love. They're like that... real good at being con artists. Oh, right. Yeah. To a point. Because the daughter is such a good performance. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And in part because you don't suspect them. Right. Like, that's like yeah. part of, like I love the way that the movie plays with that sort of um I think Malcolm Gladwell calls it like default truth thing right. where like like we like subconsciously choose to believe people that we can't verify aren't lying to us because otherwise society would just cease to function entirely. Um, So like when they're like, Oh yeah, I know this person who does this thing that you need right now. And like just the way that it all comes together, like how it feels so organic from the rich family's perspective, but has been orchestrated in the way that they're playing off of that stuff is and the way, the, above all, the way the film communicates that to yeah. you as the audience member is just perfect. Yeah. It's a great go in blind movie because I, I think I remember going in pretty blind, and it's one that too. like it's it's a movie that like sort of teaches you how to watch it as it goes, mm-hmm. and so by proxy of that becomes like different things with each act. Yeah, and so it hits like a whole bunch of genres. It is yeah. like a grifter film. It's sort of a heist film. Yeah, it's a slasher film at yes. points. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, there's there's a there's like a like a disaster sequence in it, uh-huh. yeah. and so it becomes all of these different things that we love, but in service of this story that it's like you watch it. And you have that Cohen's feel where you're like, yeah, this could happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, this could totally happen. <laughs> People are fucking crazy and shit is real. Uh, yeah, it's, that's such a... I loved this movie. And I can't stop thinking about this movie. Like, I think about this movie all the time. It's a, and it's a beautiful movie that looks like four different movies. Yes, yeah. 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 Uh, the other thing is, like, I, I really like Bong Joon-ho's movies, like, in general. But, like, mm. and one of the things I like about them is he, uh, he'll kind of, like, wildly vacillate between tones. 
a scene within 30 seconds could go from being very funny to very distressing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like this is the best. He's like honed that into perfection in this movie. Mm -hmm. This like Okja I love, but Okja really is like a wild fucking ping pong of like tones and stuff. This is like such a perfect distillation. Of yeah, it never feels like there's a swing. It all right. feels real. It, like her sitting on the toilet that's spraying yeah, shit, yes. but she's just trying to get signal <laughs> yes, on top yeah. of it is like one of those things where there's so much going on. And like that is dark and depressing and hilarious yes. in a moment. Yes. And it totally it like it just it, it, it owns that and feels that. It, yeah. Yeah. That, it's a great movie. It, just, it might be his best. I, that's, I do, I'm a Memories of Murder guy, but yeah. it, you know, that's, that's more just I, That's one of my holes in his filmography that yeah, I'm like very much so looking forward to filling. Um, but yeah, it, I agree with you. I think this is like, it just feels like we talk a lot about like filmmakers kind of like, you know, David Fincher letting go of some of the big like showy, flashy stuff yeah, yeah. and rounding off the edges and stuff. This feels like that for Bong Joon-ho. And this feels like an original, like, this is his voice. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Not that anything else wasn't, but, like, Snowpiercer feels like it is trying to be a certain thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oak just trying to be a... Well, yeah, I don't even dog. know how you I would know, categorize kind of this movie genre-wise. It's completely new. just a Bong Joon-ho movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like, the only reason that it was not on my list is because I love Snowpiercer and Okja just a little yeah. bit more because yeah. I feel like there are some more jagged edges that feel not that this doesn't feel I don't know it, they they feel more singular yeah in a weird way even yeah. though I think this movie I I understand why it's connecting with uh, other people more than those movies yeah. but I'm almost a little like a little sad about it because yeah. You know, I just think Okja and Snowpiercer are so good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know me; it's like I'm almost more apt to like those movies more because I am like a genre person. Right. And right. So I think yeah. what is so impr- one of the things that's so impressive about Parasite to me is that like it evokes genre to me without actually being a genre yeah, movie. Yeah, like it's not a typical. It's yeah. not like a, it's not doing a certain trope. Like it's right. not a tower defense. Right. It's not. But like it is a heist it, movie. It right. Is a, yeah. It evokes genre to me without actually being a genre movie, and I'm fascinated by that. I really like. That's actually that. kind of like I think that's. A, it sort of has the South Korean style of something like Old Boy. Old yeah, Boy is yeah. kind of another thing that it's many things, but it's actually a new thing. Right, yeah. Um, I, I mean, Oak is probably my favorite. I that love in Oak Memories Joe. of Murder. But, but I really want to watch it. I think this yeah. could definitely benefit most from a second viewing. And yeah. he's a director whose movies typically are like that, I think. Oh, yeah. And uh, don't just reward second viewings, but are like such entertaining movies that like are they're just fun to watch like yeah, a couple yeah. of times. Oh, totally. you know? This is a total lark. It's yeah. like it's just yeah. a complete like it's it's madcap at yeah. times. So it's just so much fun to watch. Yeah, Song Kang Ho is like one of my favorite actors, and he's so good in this. He's another one who. What was the word you used to describe the dude in all the Gareth Evans movies? He uh like he simmers. What was the word? Oh, was that? oh yeah, yeah. He smolders. He smolders. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. He can smolder, but he's like a goofy smolder. Like he spills a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. He's very he's, good. You I know, he's him. like he's kind of like a Clooney to me, like that. Oh, sure. He's a yeah. little bit of a Clooney where And yeah. he's like you know. better when he's a little funny. Yes. yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? When he's playing a little bit of a doofus, yep. it, mm. like it just makes the whole performance that much better. Yeah. Memories of murder. That's he's a cop. He's a yeah, detective. Yeah. Okay. And he's that's what he's doing. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. That's, that's crazy. I'm glad that we all landed yeah, on different number I ones. Yeah, I know. But they feel well, very I think we had very minimal overlap. I think, Dan, only Uncut Gems and Rocket Man, I think. Rocket Man, yeah. And Midsummer, yeah, yeah. I think we're the only like. Yeah, and I was I was out on my own really strange island this year where I was just like, I got, these these are my movies. But it's a good it. place to be. Yeah. Uh, I do have tons of honorable mentions that I really do want to bring up because I really I shifted this around a lot. Yes. Yeah, um, and so like a, a couple important ones that I really want to bring up and just give a little time to. Um, Dogs don't wear pants and Love Antosha uh, were two. Dogs don't wear pants are so good. Two movies that I I just I. I really wanted them to be on my list, and I just sort of struggled with what do I really love? What am I going to watch? A bunch of like I, I don't know that I'll watch Love Antosha again, so I ended up falling yeah. off of this. But Love Antosha is wonderful, and uh, just a, a moving documentary where it's like I, I really you know I, I um I don't know I it, it's really worth seeing because it's not just a puff piece about an actor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It it is much more than that, and and uh, I I really think it's worth seeing. Um uh, and uh, I think dogs don't wear pants is just like it's a really kinky, strange comedy that movie rocks. I love question that movie, yeah. mark, but drama beautiful. I just loved it. Yeah, it's, it's, its, own it's thing. fantastic. Yeah, yeah and I, like I have a bunch of others I'll bring up, but I really wanted to make sure I give those two specifically a, a big shout out. Nice. Uh, so my the the ones that really almost made my list that were hard to cut were uh, Knives Out, um, yeah. which I just. It's just a blast, yeah. uh, and seeing it a second time, like it totally works I'm as a rewatchable movie, which yeah. not every whodunit does. Right. Mm. Um, but it really holds up because the performances are so fun. It's so much fun spending time with these characters. The mystery and suspense are mixed enough where the movie still feels like it has momentum, even when you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I just I really enjoyed Ford Ford v Ferrari. Uh, it's it's just a blast. Like it's like a good old time at the movies. It, it That's is, a, and like just hearing those car engines and like the performances. Those races are shot amazingly. Yeah, like really good shit. The cinematography in that movie is just fantastic. And Christian uh, Bale having fun. Yeah, Christian, That's like he really it, is having a with blast. a British accent. Yep. Um, What's weird is it's probably closest to his real accent, right. and it feels the most foreign to me because I only know him in all his <laughs> other accents. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and, and again, like I just love seeing a director like James Mangold come, you know, making this movie. Then you know, uh, after making Logan, after making Walk the Line, like he, like he just feels like a director that has a command of of all the tools of filmmaking and knows when to use them. And um, this, the scene between Matt Damon and Tracy Letts, uh, Tracy Letts plays Henry uh, yeah. Ford the second. Is, He's great in it. Goes from like funny to like feeling bad for his character in like a like a half minute, and like the expression on his face and the reasons why his expressions are happening change over the course of a single shot. It is incredible. Yeah, and Tracy Letts is really good at yeah, it too. He so. plays such a fucking yeah yeah. He's such a dick. He's such a dick. And like it's uh, it's so good. Um. Yeah, I, I had a couple others. I, the other two I really want, the, the two movies I really wanted to try to find space for, uh, but I couldn't ultimately, were both Gemini Man, uh, because that that movie is, it's so good, and I'm so bummed I didn't get a chance to see it in high frame rate because my life has been a shit show the last couple I would have liked to see that, yeah. Um, but I heard the 4K Blu-ray is going to be in at least like 60 frames per second, so nice. I got to figure out if I can, if, if that'll work for me at home. But right. it's, it's just, it's cool to see a filmmaker using literally cutting edge technology to tell 
what is just a fun Jerry Bruckheimer action movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just had the most fun time watching it. It's it's smart in the ways that it needs to be smart because the uh, the intelligence is all put into the theming. But then the plot is just the dumbest action movie plot. It's so much fun. And you know the the novelty of like Will Smith fighting Will Smith, like is is actually like real fucking cool in yeah. action. Like there's like some cool shit when they're when it's young and old Will Smith like smashing each other's face against rocks and stuff, but looking eye to eye. Yeah, it's like really a lot of fun. Uh, and then the Dumb last one shit. is uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. I knew this is coming uh, because I fucking love Glass, guys. I've watched this movie like. I, I bought it. I need like, to see it a second time because it's like, that's another, like, this is a pure movie that someone wanted to make. And yeah. It's amazing. And it's his vision and it still manages to be a superhero movie and then transform into an entirely different yep. genre by the end where he could continue this universe with a completely new cast of characters at, like and do a whole nother thing with it. And like, I just love that, like, that's where he goes. And this movie has the balls to, like, have an ending for, like, at least two of its two or three of its characters that we've lived with for you know at least a couple years now and like James McAvoy is amazing in split he might even be better here and the fact that like like I, I said like pretty much every movie on my list made me cry like spoiler when he dies in this movie I was crying oh, for yeah. Kevin Crumb like uh, yeah <laughs> and like Anya Taylor Joy is great in this movie even though she's not in it a lot and it just it's it's the Unbreakable sequel I've been waiting for since the credits came up at the first time I watched Unbreakable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it pays all that off and the fake out of it turning into a giant action movie. and then Which not, I was so amped for. I know. And, I, and in hindsight, I'm very glad I did not get. Right, because it would have been dumb. I don't dumb. deserve that. And it would have been shitty. Yeah. yeah so like it's Instead, just, we get someone tweeted and uh, we're spoiling. Someone tweeted, they were like, there's nothing like more Philly than Bruce Willis <laughs> drowning in a puddle. Like, that is like, like, like a cop drowning Bruce Willis in a puddle. <laughs> Right. But again, like that's like uh, it's it's such an interesting choice. And it's not the movie I necessarily wanted or expected. But I really appreciate, again, just like seeing what M. Night wanted to do with it. So, yeah, there you go. It's a good choice. Um, I mean, there were so many of my honorable mentions in your guys lists. Like, hey, I really like Joker. I really wanted to put the lighthouse on here. That was a uh, that was a tough cut. Uh, Apollo 11 almost made it. Apollo that is great. just great footage that. from the. It's just footage from NASA. So much so that like Buzz Aldrin is is credited as a cinematographer, yeah. and it's just it's it's an amazing experience. It shows that like we did something that as we were doing it we knew was impossible, and we were quite literally doing it because it's like ah oh, we got to be first, and the guy who said we were going to be first got shot in the head, <laughs> so like we got to move. So let's just throw like, him at the moon. And we see got what happens. a fucking deadline, people. Yeah, like we we just have to do it, and like. Like they just got it in, and like even in doing it, it was like, yeah, these guys are definitely gonna just die on the moon. <laughs> but they just got home, and like because a bunch of people just just fucking wheeled it to right. happen. The cr- I think the craziest, one of the craziest parts of Apollo Eleven is that like a bunch of those guys are like our age. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. that's the thing that really came out in that movie is like they weren't like established engineers that had been working on this their entire lives. Like they were guys like five or six years out of college that were just like, give me something crazy to work on. Yeah, like all right, you're going to the moon. Yeah, you know who's you know, Michael Collin got fucked though, because he didn't get to go to the moon. He just had to stay in the orbiter. Right. And yeah. it's like, can you imagine getting like that <laughs> close to the moon? And then they're like, but you actually just have to wait here. We're gonna get, I mean, like get that, on the moon. That's how I felt about uh, <laughs> seeing Adam Driver on Broadway, where I was like, <laughs> I'm so close, and yet he's he's just right You'll there. You'll never but touch I'll him. Never be able to touch him. <laughs> 
Did you like Marriage Story? Uh, I I really like Marriage I Story. I did too. That's an honorable that, mention. That's for one me. where like I think I wasn't able to see the whole for the pieces. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but I really liked all the pieces. That's kind of a Bombach thing, though. Yeah, like he's a real good moment to moment thing. Whether it, you know. But uh, let's see. I, I Doctor Sleep, I think, was like impossibly good considering what that. it was. Yeah, I'm and what so it pulled pissed off. that I could. I could and it brought Alex Esso in, who I love. Uh, Beach Bum, I think, is a smarter movie That's than you're giving one of credit my for. Mentions. And I it's agree. very funny. I, I watched that this week, and I realized that watching it by myself and sober was not the right call. You would be correct. <laughs> Um, what was the other one? Oh, and so like my big hard cut because it's a movie that I just want to go to bat for, but it's just not. You know, like I really love it, but I, I just don't want to put it on my end of your list. It was the death of Dick Long? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that didn't make. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that well, to it was up. one that I, I was just like, you know, I. It's just not. I don't know. It just doesn't belong on the list, even though I think it's like perfect. Yeah. But it's just a. It's one of the Daniels yeah. uh, that made I'm a Daniel Shiner. Yeah, and it is a story that is like. It's backwoods by way of like Nickelback. Like these guys are just those guys. Uh, Earl Wyeth is this new character that is an all-time great character okay, in this movie, and it's just these three dudes are partying one night, and the movie begins with just like one of them they need to just dump at the hospital because he is bleeding out of his ass, <laughs> and and he's he's gonna die, and they but like something went down, and we don't know what, and so the whole movie is these guys just working throughout the day to cover for whatever it is that happened. And it was one of those things that like, because I'm a sick fuck there, like there was a point where I was like, I think I know what it is, but I don't believe a movie would go there. And then it did go exactly there. But like either way, whether you're surprised or not, it's just like, it's fucking crazy. And you're like, this is the kind of thing that of course the dude who made Swiss army man made it. It's, it's fucking demented, but it's really funny. And at the end it's, it's one of those like beach bum where you're like, well, that's actually kind of touching. There's, there's a weird, like just like element of like, being proud of yourself is part of it. It's it's very weird, but uh, I just I I laughed myself into a state of oblivion with that movie. It was fantastic. Nice. There was that, and then of course I almost just as a troll move put on Rambo: Last Blood <laughs> because that movie is the most shocked and appalled I have ever been in a movie theater. I don't. I'm blind to things that offend people, and I work on that, and I try. <laughs> I'm not someone who gets offended. Partially just because of my demographic, yeah. but mostly just because like it, I I just have to, I have to work to to see those things. And there was a point in this movie where I was like, "This is fucking repulsive, <laughs> what they just pulled off," <laughs> and it's gleefully so. And then it just keeps getting worse and worse. And and but in the way that is totally on brand for Ram- Rambo. And I love Stallone, and I'm just watching him just dismantle human beings and supposed to be good. I'm like, this is what I signed up for. And I think about it so much and laugh. So it almost made my list by proxy of the fact that I'm obsessed with it, even though it is fucking trash. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, the other thing I wanted to shout out is a movie I have thought about a lot because literally I thought about something in this movie last week and laughed out loud to myself in the car while I was driving. <laughs> Uh, which is the dead don't die? Oh um, yes, because I mean, whoops! It's just the, <laughs> the first time that was on screen. I was like, you know what? Fuck this movie. And then, like as the scene progressed, I was like, oh, whoops! Okay, okay, okay. Like, I got it's this. basically Jim Jarmusch making a zombie Muppet movie because, in terms of the s- sense of humor, is just. It's so aggressively Muppety. And yeah, when you said that, that opened it up for me. Yeah, I really... It feels I really like just, all of the bits he couldn't find a script for. And right. then was like, I'm just going to put them all in here. Because any movie can be a zombie movie. Yeah. 
Like, and, uh, you know, and then Andy's read about climate change. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Just which like, is, yeah. What about Steve? I love Steve Buscemi's hat, which is uh, uh, Keep America White Again. That's <laughs> so fucking brilliant. Um, and like, but yeah, it's a lot of good bits like that. When you said Muppets, I was like, yeah, that's on point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> so, I didn't, that's that's what my takeaway for that movie is that Adam Driver is just the best thing ever. Yeah. He's, he's so, so funny. Good. He's so good. What is it? What was the thing? Uh, what A wild animal? Uh, multiple wild uh, animals was, uh, uh, might be a wild animal and then the, the like uh, call to the re- the response to the call is for several wild animals. several wild animals. <laughs> that was it yeah, yeah what was it a wild animal several several wild animals, wild animals. <laughs> and, and they, they, they did that like, so slowly oh and God. over and over yeah. and then he pulls out his keychain he's got a star destroyer on yeah. it it's like the fucking <laughs> it's like oh, that when that happened i was like i know what level we're playing yeah. on and, and i was yeah. like i am all in <laughs> That's a dumbass movie, but I did enjoy it. Uh, uh, I have a couple. Of, I wanted to make sure I mentioned Jalakatu because I think Jalakatu is like yeah. one yeah. of the most unique things I saw this year. Yeah, uh, I almost wanted to find room for it just for that. Uh, Diamante. Your guys' uh, discussion about Jalakatu on the film festival yes. episode I thought was really good and actually made me like the oh. movie even more. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I listened to the show. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not yeah, a liar. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Diamantino is a really strange, interesting kind of great movie from this that year. was on my list like last year. Right? Last year was last year, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Diamantino rules, and that is on Canopy now. Okay, awesome. You can that check it on Canopy. People should check totally it out. Watch. Yeah. Sub- yeah. That movie Super. is a sublime yeah. watch. It's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, what's his name? One of the the. Uh, programmers at the festival that year made a joke before they were like we were trying to make a uh, team of Avengers out of film festival characters like the girl from that the troll customs movie yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. he's like and Diamantino is definitely one of our Avengers yeah. like he would he's the best yeah. uh, that movie is like um had it and then I lost it. Sorry. Right. Let me do a couple watch. more quick mentions. Yeah, yeah go for uh, it. We're gonna get this in under three hours. Oh okay. yeah, we're. I uh, Dolomite is my name was was great. Actually, I thought I really Lovely loved movie. that. Yeah. Uh, Horror yeah. Noir. I wanted to give a shout out to. Oh locally yeah, produced the cool stuff. Flick. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's still on Shutter. If people want to check it out, it's a really great documentary. Um, I thought Blow the Man Down was really good. That yeah. was one of the ones I saw. At the I'm so bummed I missed that. Uh, Jill also really loved that movie. Really, really so good. I think that'll yeah, be cool. on Amazon at some point. In the yeah. Uh, and I, I, I am desperate to watch Alita Battle Angel again. I Dude, really enjoyed Alita Battle Angel. I had the Angel. same feeling about that that I had about Detective Pikachu, where yeah. I was just like, keep this world alive. Yeah. Just put whatever you want in it. I that really was so enjoyed fun. that yeah. movie. I did too. And it's I got its problems. It yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, dated, yeah, which yeah. is ultimately part of its charm. But yeah, like, yeah. I think that can be written into something better. With Jeff Fahey, Robot Dog Wrangler, is one of cinema's great, <laughs> great characters. Dude, Mur- was it called Murder Ball? Uh, or whatever oh, it was, yeah. or something like that. Motorball. Motor, motor. I can never tell, but that was a Roller really murder. fun awesome. sport to watch. Awesome. Like that was yeah. really cool. Yeah, I just enjoyed that movie a lot. Yeah, the giant tube things up but, to the upper yeah. city what, with the razor. Things what I like to jump over. What I like about cool. the sport, it was it was a uh, movie sport where they didn't even pretend that there were rules or right. that yeah, it yeah, could yeah, possibly yeah. be realistic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I let's make a parody movie like, called Movie Sport. It'll be like Rollerball. Um, roller Murder. Um, roller Murder. I, I like, I didn't love Alita, yeah. but I wanted to, and yeah. I would totally watch Alita too. The yeah, good yeah, news yeah. is, if they make a new script, it won't, be, if they make a sequel, it won't be <laughs> right. a script from the 80s. Yes. It still yeah. feels very yeah. 80s in ways that don't add up now. Yeah, uh, the sequel will be written now and will yes. probably fare better in the ways yeah. that you know, no, they, they definitely like, have part two in the vault, yeah. Like, <laughs> Just no, they're just going to repurpose an old one. 1994. Yeah. They remake the Simon Says script again, and it's no longer Die Hard, <laughs> and it's 
Yeah. Alita. I would watch that. Well, I would totally watch that. Gentlemen, totally I think we've it. achieved the shortest best of episode yet. And awesome. I Stop watch be prouder. I we did be it, guys. Uh, so let's like uh, plug ourselves and uh, close out. Oh, I wanted to say, I guess, like, is there any kind of like thematic stuff you guys sort of pulled from this year? To me, it seemed like a lot of it was just kind of like empathy was something I noticed across a lot of movies yeah. this year. Yeah. Just trying to see things from other perspectives and have a little more empathy for people and yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which I think that you know, and capitalism fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just under capitalism is horrible. Yeah. I was impressed with how many things felt like something new this year. With like yeah. Midsummer, with us, with Rocket. Man. All of these things were things that felt brand new, mm. and I, I, I just feel like we're finally hitting the point where all of the like, well, fuck it, I'm going to do my own thing. Artistic response to like a Trump coming to power is all starting to have been funded and made, and we're seeing it. Yeah. So we're seeing atypical things like you know a deerskin and things like that, and that that's what I noticed was there was a lot of things where I was like, that was actually a really bold choice. To, you know, even something like Doctor Sleep. That's a bold choice done well. It's why maybe, just maybe, cats could be cool. I don't, I don't think so, but um, you know, but that's that's the that was the theme I noticed was there was a lot of like big big cool like choices. Cool. Um, yeah, so why don't we uh, p- plug ourselves and uh, get out of here? Yep, let's plug it up. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter uh, at I like. No, that's our our show. Why don't but, we yeah, do you that? can find the, the show, show. The show at I like two movie. Uh, on Twitter and Facebook, uh, I like to movie at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, r- leave us a review on uh, iTunes. Uh, rate and, and subscribe is like one of the best things you can do for us. That would be a big help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, definitely, if uh, you haven't, it's already up by the time you're listening to this. Uh, we just interviewed uh, a couple episodes back the writers of Summer of 84 on an episode about the Burbs. This is the first episode in like five years that I went back and listened to. Yeah, it was um, really good. It was, it was yeah, a really, really fun, it's a fun episode. episode. Those guys yeah, were real thanks. cool. Yeah. And once again, thank you to them. Yeah, yeah, Stephen J. Smith and uh, Matt Leslie. They were they were great, and uh, uh, it was a really good conversation. I think it's there's like a lot of good stuff in there for um, yeah. writers and filmmakers and stuff. A lot for of good, working class creators. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool. lot of good advice in there. It's great. Um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. It's with an F. I'm on letterboxcom Philadelphia, and I write over at Cinema76.com. Uh, at Dan Scully on all the things, Letterbox, Twitter, all that fun stuff, cinema76.com, findy.com. And just once again, we urge that you uh, donate and or share the uh, the uh, uh, fundraising page that we'll put up for our buddy Chris Cotton. So uh, definitely do that if you can. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Silber, whatever. That's with a B. You can also find my writing at cinema76.com. Uh, and you can find that website also on all the social media places that you might look for us there. Uh, and you can also listen to the Shame, Shame Files podcast. Like I said, we're a bit behind because life has just gotten in the way of podcasting. Uh, but we should be back on the episode soon. I think we're going to do some kind of Rise of Skywalker thing and wrap up the year at the very least. Uh, but yeah, you can find that Shame Files podcast on uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So. There Sounds go. good. Thanks, man. And also, uh, the Snow Queen is playing at the Arden <laughs> Theater all those uh, through February, and uh, you should you should go check it out. Uh, nice. I saw it; it was really cool. Nice. Uh, my name is Gareth Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Ryan Silverstein, and I also enjoy to movie movie. And we all know that <laughs> you, you enjoy, enjoy to movie movie, movie, movie because we, we enjoy, enjoy to movie movie. Move. Move. Enjoy. Hey. <laughs> enjoy. No, it's going to go until three hours.